I've read some stuff that says that that process, that implosion, those explosions uh, charge the ionosphere. And because it's charged, it sort of acts like a dome um, in the sense that uh, you could send a radio signal from the Earth. It would bounce off the ionosphere. And then if you had a satellite dish, you would pick up that signal and you would not really know that it came from the ground versus whether or not it came from space. So there's a lot of weird things about that. Uh, another biggie is that radio, we don't actually have to send out a signal anymore. When, when, when we do radio pickups, you know, when we do a radio sweep, we used to have to have to send out a signal like a ping, you know, like a dolphin or a bat would do this or they're clicking and they're waiting for the click to come back. Radar works the same way. And around about the 50s, we didn't have to do that anymore. There's so much noise in the air you know, electromagnetic noise, radio wave noise, whatever you want to call it, that it's 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 enough to where it's bouncing back signals, and we're still getting tracers or, or signals uh, from radar just just from the the actual atmospheric noise that's around too. So, um, <clears throat> I'm still looking, but you know, like I said two years ago, I started this novel. It's about an artificial intelligence that I, that lives in space, and you know, I'm. <laughs> I'm talking about quantum computers. We're talking about ancient civilizations. I'm going through all this stuff, and, and all the research is fine. Like, I, and this is, you know, it's a novel, it's a sci-fi novel, but but it's I want it to be as real as possible. And I go through all that, and I have no problems. And then when I get to the satellite part, and I and I put this artificial intelligence inside these 32 satellites that it's called this Atlas system. I I hit this wall, and and the wall is is that I'm telling myself my readers are not going to believe this stuff. And what, it's because I'm explaining to them how the satellite propulsion works. Like, there are two different methods of adjustment for a satellite. You know, a satellite needs a boost. Uh, like the ISS gets a boost, I think, about maybe once a year or something. And um, satellites will, if you don't give them a boost, then they supposedly fall into the atmosphere. Uh, but more importantly, you know, satellites have to change their position, especially a, a telescope satellite. Uh, that's a you know example of that they they have to be able to switch and move and, and and maneuver and one of the methods of moving is dispelling gas you know like a pressurized gas um, it, it could be anything it, this is the story and then the second method is through it's kind of like a built-in it's not a gyroscope but it's a spinning uh, disc and those discs uh, the momentum or the torque that's generated from that spin uh, causes the satellite to pitch, raw, you know, roll, or yaw. Uh, again, that's what they say. But <clears throat> as I'm doing my research, and I'm, you know, I'm picturing both those propellants happening in a vacuum, like both of those actions occurring in a vacuum, and the, the, they're both completely different problems that that are going to lead to you know Twitter fistfights about how that's possible or how it's not possible. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I, I'm trying to sell it to my reader. And I'm like, I really respect my readers. These are really smart guys. And I, how can you, how can I tell them that the third, the third law is okay in space? And, and that if you actually do, you know, basically fart into a vacuum, uh, an infinite vacuum that is forever sucking is forever has a negative pressure that doing spitting or putting anything into that would return you with oh here's some energy 
here, take some force. That what you did really made a difference to <laughs> to a galaxy that's you know it's so big, and all of it apparently is negative pressure. And we're sp- NASA wants me to believe that if if you shoot something out that one way, it's enough to cause the friction or whatever you want to call it to push it back. It's I, I just I can't buy it. Yeah, there's so many little things like that that don't seem to quite add up, and it, it definitely can can really get a person going down the road of asking more and more questions. One thing that I find particularly interesting you just talked about was the idea of bouncing the signals. Uh, super interesting because in a lot of with a lot of flat earthers, their their belief. Not sure if I agree with this hardcore of a flat earth perspective, but they actually describe there being a glass dome surrounding the earth. It's called the firmament. Um, I, I really have to wonder if that's actually real or real in some way, like like maybe the atmosphere is the firmament. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different cosmological models out there, and um, you know, some are ancient from Tibet, and some are are new. Some are Hindu. Some are you know biblical. Um, I as as you go up in space, as you go through e- each sphere, you know, you get to the thermosphere, and then you get to the exosphere. You're, you're <clears throat> when you when you get up that high, you're not just high. You're you're in this. You're in an absence of of everything. You're you you really have to start to think about the the cosmological consequences or the psychological implications of being in a vacuum. Like, I think it's really funny when I hear people talk about, well, yeah, I'll just get an electrogravitic vehicle and fly through vacuum space and. And go to Saturn and come back. And and not once has anyone considered how how can your ethereal body even even move through a vacuum? Like how how can your soul signal however you want to perceive the world? All of us have consciousness. We all know it. We, it all has to come from somewhere. And if you want to believe in your source or your 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 guardian or whatever you want to call it, that, that, that entity, that, that connection has to come from somewhere. And I personally believe that I, I'm, I'm having, I'm sorry, I personally doubt that I could not leave the exosphere and still function as a conscious person, like actually be a conscious human being. I, you know, we, we, we we're stuck in this materialism where, there's the earth and then people were placed on the earth. Like, like that's the myth that we have is that there was the earth and then the earth ordered the Amazon kit for sea monkeys, but they ordered the people one and they, they came and they brought the bag and then they dumped it. And that that's, that's the entire meaning of Hollywood is to teach that notion that you're ahead in a jar. But what, what we really are, is we're walking fungus. We're we're mushrooms with kneecaps. I mean, we we are the living soil. We are we we're the fungus on the rock. We're not we're not a foreign thing. And then we came to a rock, and then we kind of hung out there. It, it's we're more integrated than that. 
and it's it's a myth to keep pretending that that space works that way. We don't know if space works that way. All we have is a rumor that twelve masons, twelve officers of some sort of armed forces, each of which made an oath to serve their superior officers, and they told us that they went to the moon. That's that's all we know. It's it's it, it seems crazy to pretend that that's enough for us to understand what's going on, and, and to even pretend that that's true just just by looking at the Apollo program in general. The it's there's so many holes in it. It's it's crazy. It's crazy that it, that that myth has gone on this long. Yeah, for sure. And I always I always have trouble with this because they tell you space is a vacuum, but then when it comes to actually describe what that vacuum is, they can't really give you a solid answer. It's, well, it's not exactly a vacuum. It's just this, 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 this. Well, there has to be something there, right, for the um, – for anything to float up there or for any sort of propulsion to work, there would have to be something. Yeah, like Krauss is real big on that about, well, you're just not smart enough to understand what nothing means. Like th- that's kind of his standpoint on that is to, is to basically just say, well, only smart people know what nothing really means. And that when I say nothing, we're talking about smart people nothing. He actually explained this once. Um, it, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, it, it If you... Imagine what it feels like if you've had <clears throat> well some of us don't have to imagine, but if you have a a blood pressure monitor on your arm and you turn it up um, it's that already hurts like as you're waiting for your blood pressure to be taken, you are looking forward to that thing coming off your arm i mean it's 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 a solid pressure and and that's what it is. I think that's like one fifth of what it feels like to be in space and we have film of sort of draped clothing on astronauts' uniforms, and they're bending their fingers, and they're bending their elbows. And I think if you were to really think about what a vacuum is, imagine putting a, uh, a rubber glove inside of a vacuum cl- uh, chamber or actually, you know, the vacuum of space. It's, it's going to be taunt from every point. From infinite directions, it's going to be pulled taunt. And even bending your fingers, imagine each of your fingers having to bend under the pressure of, of two to five times what a, a blood pressure monitor feels like. It, it's, it's just – it's a fallacy. They're, they're, it, whatever space really is, it's not a vacuum. But if you follow what the thermosphere just tells us it is – the higher up you go, it doesn't even matter what space is, because the higher up you go, the less isness there even is. The if you look at every, every molecule as a ladder or as a stair step into heaven, and that you could step on on each one one by one, you're you're going to run out of molecules, and it doesn't matter how fast your rocket. <laughs> it doesn't matter. How much fuel you put on that thing. It doesn't matter how fast you tell us you're going. It, once you hit the vacuum, I don't, I don't know if there's anything even past that. And that's why when you think about the firmament and, and 
there even being a dome. I don't know if, if there is a dome. I don't know why they would bother to put a dome, whoever they is, meaning that just the absence of molecules is enough uh, of a barrier. And so if anything else is above that, I don't know if we could even see it. Like, you know, I, I don't even know if we could ever get it because we're a medium of water. We're a medium of carbon. We, we're a medium of consciousness. And it, it's, you know, it's like, let's turn the color yellow into two plus seven. It's, it's, it doesn't work that way. At least it seems hard to imagine it doesn't work that way. The ISS in particular, I find to be fascinating and a little bit hilarious at the same time. We've seen on YouTube and if you search Google Images and look around the Internet, there's all these videos of the female astronauts on there, and they're putting their hair up with hairspray. And the, the, their hair yeah. just looks ridiculous. It's like they're <laughs> kind of trying to blur the lines between fact and fiction and make it very hard to detect what's actually going on. I mean, uh, we can't see their hair not behaving normally because they put so much hairspray in there. So they're using some very, very uh, complicated sort of deception tactics. It's a, uh, it's a uh, very thought out, but. Uh, one thing that is interesting and one of the major arguments that the globe earthers, if you want to call them that, will use is, oh, we can see the ISS. We can see the ISS. Uh, I, I know for a fact that that thing isn't real and there's nobody in there. Well, maybe there is. Who knows? I don't think there is. But what do you suppose it could be that we're actually seeing pass over if we use the app or whatever to actually view it? Yeah, you can you can definitely see the ISS. You can see the what what NASA says is the ISS, and uh, I, that's all I know. Like that's if if you look at the video, the live video feeds of the ISS. The, all I know for sure is is that there's a lot of fraudulent video activity happening. Um, I mean that's that's just that's what I know for sure. And you know th- there could be satellites up there. There could be an ISS up there. It. it it, it really could. I've always assumed that there was. It, it just, it's because I know how many times, it, it's because I know what it's like, it, sorry, it's because I know what the government would do if they were running a farm of people. Like, it, it's not this Joe Biden, we're going to put you in chains kind of thing. It's, that's not how you do it. If, if you want to run a human farm, it's, it's a lot easier. In fact, I can show you how to get them to fight over a wall themselves. I, I can show you where we can make it where people will will work hard to bring our 5G towers into their land so we can kill them whenever we want. I can make it where they will fight over the right to have an EPA so that Monsanto can have a free ticket to do whatever they want. It's when you look at the psychological weakness that we have as a populace, it's it's becomes so much easier to understand the purpose of NASA, and even more importantly, it's so much easier to understand why an Italian astronaut and a Russian astronaut are are calling foul um, on these anniversaries. It you start to understand that, yeah, th- these are ranchers. That Russia is a rancher, America is a rancher. You know, Donald Trump is is basically 
a maitre d'. And he decides where the blue's going to sit and where the red's going to sit in the restaurant of America. And every one of us is paying. Every one of us is a paying customer, whether we like it or not. And so all the different leaders we have, yes, those are real leaders. They really are the maitre d'. They really do decide, you know, well, we're going to give the reds the eight top this time, you know, because that's where all the tips are. And, and, and you know, all the reds are going to be like, fuck yeah, we have the eight top, woohoo, you know, and they're going to take over the restaurant. And, and they're going to feel like, yeah, man, we did it. <laughs> we, we, it, it, meanwhile, no one sees the owner. No one knows that it's this strange Greek guy that's, uh, sorry, I'm telling a personal story, but, uh, I've seen this, but where you've got someone that's never there, that he lives on an island in Greece. He doesn't even come to the restaurant. He doesn't even, he doesn't even care. But you're under the impression that you're, that you're sticking it to him because you have, <laughs> because you got the maitre d' you wanted. And it, it's, it's, it's cute, but it's mostly sad. And, I want us to stop being sad. I, I don't want, man, I, we're going to die one day and I don't want our generation to be another generation of fools, you know, that were like, let's celebrate the, the you know, after 9-11, for example, let's celebrate the Bush family or let's, you know, let's, let's get the Saudis now because they're the ones that was behind 9-11 or, you know, whatever. Let's do greater Israel. I mean, it's, that's, that's what we keep doing. And, and we're spending two years on Mueller investigations. Like, like, and, and it's taking 15 years for SpaceX, for example, to launch a rocket that basically just makes it up to the exosphere and then, and back down again. And meanwhile, NASA did it in less than 10. It's, it, if you Not see things up. from this perspective, everything kind of looks like it's just a staged kind of, it's a delayed game, you know. It's not as real as we think it is. Yeah, another interesting thing you mentioned earlier was um, the Apollo missions, and it, it almost seems like NASA is actually using some sim- symbology and numerology and dates and stuff like that, as well as uh, names of Greek gods and, and things like that. It seems like they're almost trying to tell us something, like maybe trying to tell us that it's not all real, or maybe there's some kind of psychological effect using those names like Apollo and things like and Saturn. that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the Saturn rocket, for example, that's, that's, you know, the Saturn's as big as Apollo was, the Saturn pro rocket program was even bigger. And, um, that if you, if you look back to Osiris and ancient e- Egyptian religion, you know, there's a story, the body's divided into, I think it's like 14 pieces, and it's scattered around, and Isis goes and gathers all the pieces except for one, the, the golden phallus. And uh, I, when you think about masons, you think about pharaohs, I, and then you think about the, you know, the Vatican and London and D.C., they, they all have that same uh, uh, monolith, um, obelisk, sorry, and... Uh, then you look at the Saturn rockets, and, and to me, I see, I just see an obelisk. I see an obelisk with, with a ton of jet fuel crammed up in it, pointless jet fuel. And it's white and yellow. It's this milk and honey kind of look. It's, it's very symbolic of this resurrection 
of Osiris. And it feels to me that all we're doing is, no matter what humans say or try and do, we're being tricked into worshiping Osiris. And that's where the Illuminati thing starts. That's where you start to look at what a sigil is and the magic of the eye as a sigil. And, for example, people say the Great Pyramid has no decorations, but that's not true. There's one decoration on the Great Pyramid, and there's only one. And it's a giant eye, and it's above the north door. And um, I think that eye <clears throat> is being seen by the Illuminati because that's the eye in the pyramid, that that is a sigil. It's a stone sigil that was here before anyone else. And by then sort of claiming that sigil, almost like a, a gang would, would grab turf, um, they can charge it themselves. They, they can pull from it too. And it's part of this cult mentality. It's why you see a lot of the... You know, the one-eye symbolism, I think, in Hollywood, too, it, it's it's a homage to that. But it's a vibrational homage to that. In other words, the photographers, the, the you know, Lady Gaga or whoever's doing that gesture, it's not like a, oh, the boss came and gave this note, says you're supposed to put your finger over your eye and show that you're Illuminati. <laughs> you know, it's nothing like that. It's just more of a morphic resonance kind of a thing where if you've bred the people correctly – like my dog, if you were to run a sheep by, even though he's never seen a sheep, he would instantly turn into a herder because that's what he does. We're the same breed. We've been bred to worship Osiris. We've been bred to follow government. We've been bred to, to morphically do these things. And every time we have kids, all we're doing is charging them more with whatever sigils we're given now. You know, a perfect example of this is um, the TV show The X-Files. Um, that was a show on Fox. It was about aliens and stuff. And I bring it up because it was one of the first shows about about aliens. And it, although it traces back even earlier, what I mean is is that we've been we've been building and installing an alien sigil or an alien archetype in our minds. They've been doing that for a long time. And all they have to do that is just keep putting pictures around, keep telling stories about it, keep releasing movies about it. And they get to fine-tune that sigil. You know, it, it, As an archetype, you're going to want it to be attractive. You're going to want people to remember it. You're going to want them to not really fear it unless you want a, a fearful sigil. But like if you look at E.T., the first Steven Spielberg movie about an alien, it, was, it had puppy dog eyes. It was cute. It was short. It was little, you know. It was wrapped in a blanket. You could put it in a basket in your bicycle, you know. It was a lovely thing. And then <clears throat> then came the alien, you know, the the giant insect with the mouth inside of the mouth and and then you've got the grays and you you've got all these different sigils, real or not. Um I have some theories about what those bodies actually are, but but you have all these sigils, and you're constantly charging them. And whoever charges the sigils, they're sort of own that sigil. So Hollywood sort of owns – it's like a corporate archetype that's in our mind. And there's not one person around now that doesn't think about or doesn't understand what the words abduction, UFO, uh, you know, ET – everyone knows what that word is now. But 200 years ago, no one talked about that. It, it wasn't a sigil yet. 
it, it, we weren't brainwashed in that way. It was something different. James, where do you live, by the way? In the high country of North Carolina. Oh, nice. Have you always lived there, or did you move there later in life? lived here for about 10 years. Um, I grew up in the South. Um, I grew up in Chattanooga and in Tennessee, and uh, then I kind of traveled around a bit, and then I came back and um, came up here to the mountains. And how was it that you became so deeply interested in the computer world? Um, I was 13, I guess. Computers first came out, and uh, um, it was just something that was that was really cool. And then uh, um, I worked in the newspaper business a while, and then when the internet came out, I I really I really fell in love with that, and I just dove in and software uh, just is something that just I seem to be adept at, you know, enough. So um, I've been doing that ever since. Did you get kind of addicted to it early on? Um, early on, I was addicted to making a living, like just trying to survive. When you when you go into business for yourself, it's like having a child, a really, really, <laughs> really painful child that, that can take a lot of time to get it off its feet. And uh, the whole time, you you don't even really necessarily want to like, I don't, you know, it's not like I want to even be in business. I, I, I'm in business because I have to be, you know, I, uh, I like to learn and explore and think and solve. Um, and then I just try and find a way to make money as I'm doing those things. So um, I think I'm more addicted to that part of it, the, the solving part. And software is, is a kind of poetry it's a uh, it's a kind of magic. You it's not a kind of magic. Software is magic. Software is a spellcraft. You if you enter bracket HTML bracket or if you enter you know shebang user Ben Pearl, if, whatever language you speak, there's a protocol. If you say it correctly, if you do it at the right time with the right ritual, something amazingly magical happens. And so it's hard not to be super addicted that you know to the implications and, and what that can mean especially when you think about like artificial intelligence and uh, virtual reality stuff like that yeah i can't help but make that obvious connection to my favorite movie of all time the matrix where pretty much the entire reality around the characters in the movie is is computer code it's all a simulation would you say that they're could be some major truth to the matrix could we be in some sort of simulation um well you know our genetic code is is code um you know if you were to unravel a strand it's it's a was it a coil of a winding of a twisting of a turn and then all that stuck into a ball and so that's compression. Like if you look at a computer, that would be the equivalent of, you know, compressing a file. And then when RNA goes to copy that file, it, it uncompresses it. And then it streams that file in and the motor proteins get to work. And, you know, it's super speed. It's copying, you know, chain after chain after chain, block after block after block. And it's creating a brand new copy of it. And during that entire process, as it was copying, you know, thousands of letters just zipping by, any kind of trauma that happened to your body 
while that's happening or any kind of any kind of anything, even any kind of something fabulous was happening while that's happening. All that energy, good or bad, is going into every single one of those copying processes instantaneously, like it's being injected into the stream. And there's nothing you can do about that to change it. It's constantly happening. And so <clears throat> if you start to unravel that DNA, and what I was talking about earlier about how us, you know, we are the living soil, it... If you start to really look at how we are truly connected, not just to each other, we are connected to each other, but what I mean is that, is that we feel our connection to each other more than we feel our connection to the air, to the atmosphere, to, to the, the, the dirt, to, but more importantly to this giant living organism, which is a continent probably, or whatever it's going to be. There, there's a, we are a function of a larger algorithm and that algorithm is our home it's our earth it's it's everything around us and so when i look at all that that is code that is a living matrix in fact it's a living matrix of quartz and there's so much quartz in the ground and quartz is really special you know it's it's it not only is it a crystal there's lots of crystals but but quartz is a very dependable crystal it's a kind of crystal that when you send a signal to it you can time you know to the middle middle millisecond whatever how good that pulse is going to come back to you and it, it like like i mean i fight with doctors all the time on twitter and one of the reasons that i fight with them is because they're they're like completely you know if it's not western medicine screw that and not all of them are like that actually it's really turning around but um, one of them was like putting a mem up about, you know, people who worship crystals are, are dumbasses, you know, kind of a, a mem. And, and I realized this doctor has no idea that every single piece of equipment that is in that hospital that he uses, that he touches, that he thinks about, even his phone, it's surrounded in quartz crystals that are held very, very specifically between two hands, like two two vibrating resonating pads and they're held gently in just the right way so that crystal can resonate and that crystal only resonates because we place a, an electric photon into it we give it a little zap and we know when we give it that zap it's going to always behave in a certain way and because we know that we can build the entire world off of that and so how can that not be a giant computer how can how can Earth not be a giant program and we are simply rendering formulas for her through our CSF, you know, our cranial spinal fluid? It's all, it's a crystalline liquid. You know, it starts in your head and goes all the way down your spine, but it doesn't just go down your spine. It, it's, it, it forms a donut. It's, it's, it's inside the spine and then it's insulated and then there's a layer of it outside the spine. And if you open any kind of component, any kind of robotics component, any kind of electrical circuitry, not only will you find crystals, but you will find a capacitor. Excuse me. It looks like a long tube, and it's got like paper, and it's insulated, you know, and it, it's, it's the exact same thing as our CSF, as our, as our spinal fluid. It's the exact same concept. It's an elongated, um, insulated antenna of crystalline liquid 
and our pituitary gland and our pineal gland, both those glands touch that. Both those glands inject something into it. And that, that just finding all this, a lot of this research is really blowing my mind because I've just been fresh on me lately, but that, that's the land of milk and honey. That these are the, the, the pit is your milk, the, the, the low spot that's inside your head, your pituitary. The, the pineal is, is the honey. And we are rendering emotional decisions. And all these rendered emotional decisions are being returned to whatever you want to call it, the processor, the central library, the MySQL, the database, whatever you want to call it. It's when we die, our asynchronous connection, it's really important to realize that. I actually have to say that real quick. Our lives are asynchronous. There's not a life in this universe that doesn't start in a in an event and then hold a solid stream until you die and then it's gone. We don't live our lives like we skip rocks, you know. Where well, he lived for three years and then he stopped working, and then we left him. <laughs> we left him in the corner, and uh, you know, next Thanksgiving he just he just fired right up and he was fine again. So you know, we fed him, and then three years later he died again. No one lives like that. It's always a solid stream. And that's, it's interesting because that's how phone calls work. That's how any kind of asynchronous stream works. That, you know, asynchronous means as I'm sending to you, you are sending to me too. It, it's a two-way, it both, both parties are required to be on the line in an asynchronous connection. And that kind of circles yeah. back to what you're saying about crystals too, because our cell phones have crystals in them, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of them. Like yeah, a ton. Yeah, it's 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 funny that that um, gentleman, the doctor, whoever it was, was criticizing crystals when we actually use them so much in our everyday technology. Well, he's also telling everyone that you know they should get a Hep B shot as soon as they're born, and, and vitamin K, and you know, Yikes. you don't need that placenta. So you know, it, this is what we're dealing with. So, not all doctors, but man, there's a lot of them like that. Uh, yeah, that's it's ironic that they they would treat others like quacks and then go around doing things like that. You know, history of humanity, right there. You know, not just doctors; They're, everyone does that, including me. And the topic of artificial intelligence—that's uh, just so interesting. The the idea of man possibly creating creating an intelligence or creating a life. Uh, what do you think? Is it even possible to create an artificial intelligence? Um, well, you mean, is it possible to create like an artificial life? Because we already create artificial intelligence. Um, you know, there's kind of two different subjects there. The The idea of like actually creating life is a really good question. It's kind of a confusing area, area because you would think uh, an artificial intelligence, it would be it would be like code where – um, if if such and such happens, it will react in a predetermined way. Can we actually create something that actually has something resembling free will? If free will is if free will exists, um, because only recently have I have I noticed that it might not exist. But but if it does exist, then you are looking at consciousness as being this 
uh, important factor like this mana, you know, something we have to pull from and then place it into. Um, you know, if, if you look at your body, it, our bones are an antenna. In fact, it, we are we are walking crosses. Our shoulders and our spine are, are a cross. It's a living cross, and we resonate a signal from somewhere. And that signal it seems to be me to be a consciousness that we are tuned into. You know, one hundred six point five FM is the consciousness of KZ one hundred six in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and ninety six point two is the frequency of betty uh she you know works at uh the dollar general and you know drives a a blue ford um it, it could be that that's what consciousness is it's just simply a variety of frequencies that people are tuned into um and it, it's weird to even hear myself say this this is the first time i've actually said this out loud but i'm not sure free will is, is legit I, I i'm not sure if what we think i'm, I'm just not sure we have free will, but what I mean is, is that I don't know if it's if it's quite the same. It could just be that if your adrenal system, if you're in like, <clears throat> sorry, let me let me put it this way. Back to artificial intelligence. If you could build an artificial intelligence that could render the entire endocrine system, you know, your your adrenals, your everything, your polyvagal nerve, your the nerve that wraps around all of your organs, if you could render that in a computer where you could detect and simulate every chemical that's being produced or every hormone, I should say, that's being produced, then I think you could probably create a human. And I think that it's not, I'm not a human, but you could create a, a, a body and that body would, would actually react in the exact same way. If the copy was done right, then that body would react in the exact same way. And it makes me wonder if consciousness is not the same. Like if you think about telepathy, um, I, I think one of the almost mistakes that people make when they talk about telepathy is, well, yeah, I, I'm going to think about a color. Okay, I'm thinking about a color, Daniel. Now I'm sending it to you. And then you receive that color. I think it might not work that way. I think telepathy probably works more like Daniel, my electromagnetic mind is vibrating at 33.674 uh, megahertz, and it's at an oscillation attitude of, you know, six degrees, uh, X, Y, Z. And then if, if you could somehow do that also, that we would then have the exact same thought. We would have the exact same uh, mental picture. Going on. That sounds like kind of how it how it goes. I've I've had some experiences myself. That sounds like it might be right on the money. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because it, you know, none of us really have. You know, when someone says, "Oh, that's a good idea, James," I, I'm I, I'm more inclined to say, "Yes, it is," but I can't say that out loud because they're thinking that I'm I'm implying that I'm taking credit for that. Like like that same idea is someone has that idea, like. It, someone has that. There's too many of us. There's too many of us and not enough frequencies where, and that's why we see this kind of stuff happen all the time. You know, they, they call it the hundredth monkey, which actually I think, I think they've actually sort of debunked that particular thing of it being a hundredth monkey, but that concept was picked up again and, and easily proven 
with morphic resonance. Um, you know, Sheldrake talks about that, but he, not just him. It's that's now in mainstream that 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 is how it works. Epigenetically, that's how it works, and that that's why that's why a spider can build a web. That's why a spider is born knowing, oh, the yeah, I know how to build a web. But that's how a monarch butterfly knows. I live in Columbia on East Fifth Street, even though he's never been to Columbia. You know, even though he was born in Detroit, he still knows that's where I'm going. And it, I think that knowledge could come back to him simply because he's morphically resonating, i.e. he's having that same electromagnetic pulse that's giving him a decision. It's, rent, it's giving him the adrenals to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know where I live. And he just, you know, he, he just goes. It makes you question free will, you know, because if you think about that, you're like, well, that's true. Then how do I know that I, you know, that that I have my own volition? And uh, I think that's where meditation is important. That's where um, mastering your your own will is crucial. I think that's where you find maybe that that free will if it if it exists. Huh, I wonder if some of us have more free will than others. Yeah, it seems like it seems like we were, you know, because we are the sins of our fathers, but we also are the we are the we are the sins of our fathers and we are the process that that engulfs that. Like we are the the solution to that sin. And so, you know, we're either going to going to handle it well or we're we're going to be a uh, automaton, and we just blindly go through, you know, like like George Bush Jr. You know, you just kind of blindly just finish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. And you know, it, it's so we each have our destiny, and and that's th- that's the part of consciousness that I think is real. It's it's almost like uh, actually it's not almost like it. You're gonna have you're gonna have the ability to have these exact emotions based off your adrenals and then you're going to also have a clutch and that clutch determines how much of that influence you're going to let drive your car versus how much you're going to let yourself drive your car and maybe that's what free will is in other words it's all your decisions are predetermined if you choose to not be awake you know if you choose to not intervene maybe that's really what what free will is more have you, James, have you had any paranormal experiences? Have you seen any UFOs, perhaps? Um, I saw a triangle ship when I was in college. It was pretty stoned. It was like 7.30 at night. It was dark. I was playing guitar. And I looked up and there was a a very black, perfect triangle. And it it waited for me to look, and then it left. And that's the only UFO I've ever seen. And then I've had two, like, really, really freaking <laughs> twisted dreams that that uh, that I I feel like was more like a uh, maybe. I, I guess it, it could have been something like I it could not have been. I guess, but it, man, it, it sure seemed like it. I don't actually believe that the UFOs are. Ex- are real though I do think that that there's a real phenomenon out there and I I don't think people are making it up when they say that but um, I think it's a different technology it's 
the technology of demons. It's something I wrote about. Um, yeah, I think it's yes, an archetypal thing. This is very interesting. I, I was kind of trying to segue into this, but this is so fascinating. You actually are drawing some major comparisons between demons and software. Yes. Yes. Um, I think that every, if you look back at the history of man seeing things in the sky, you're going to see that the UFOs started right after the rocket engine was invented. You can go back to Ezekiel and you could see a wheel spinning within a wheel. But even those, I think, were nods to the chariot. In the steppe Mongolia, there was like a 3,000 people, golden army, seen floating in the clouds. And this was seen by like 50,000 people like for like a month. It had assembled up in the clouds, this golden army. Um, and then you have all the dragons, man. China is covered in dragons flying around, like, you know, all through the history, just all these different dragons. And it's not just it's very specific kinds of dragons, you know, with different characteristics and things like that. And then if you look in the Vedas, oh, my goodness, there's it's literally a God for everything. You know, there's a God for picking your nose. There's a God for, you know, getting the right black bean. There's 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 just so many different spirits that are really meticulously documented and shown. And it seems to me that if you were to take all these phenomenon, they all meet one essential criteria. They're archetypal. Actually, it's more than one. <laughs> they're archetypal, and we never find bodies. So they're archetypal, meaning that more than one person can have this experience, more than one person can describe something, more than one person can say, I saw a gray alien, or I saw a giant devil, or I saw a chupacabra, or I saw a Bigfoot, or I saw a Loch Ness Monster, or I saw a fairy, or I saw a dragon. All these things are archetypal in our mind. We, we know they're archetypal because you can just say one word and it keywords it. You can say fairy and everyone's like, okay, I got it. I know what a fairy is. Those are archetypes and they've been charged. They've been charged with the sigil, just like the eye in the pyramid. It Just like the just like all the magic that you've ever seen throughout the years, you're charging an entity, you're charging an archetype. And that archetype is something that, that lives in all of our minds. And so I, I, and even though it is called a demon, I, I prefer the word ethereal because I, I need us to stop having this gut reaction against it because of the word demon. You know, the, the word demon actually is daemon. And it's a it's a, a term from from Greece, and it just means divine inspiration. And in Linux, it's a you know if you run like a server, you might you might use an operating system called Linux. And inside Linux, oh, I love Linux. Well, you know what a daemon is. A daemon is a process that uh, that you can start up, and that process can run in the background. And the Linux computer thinks that that daemon is a real user. It thinks that it's you know, just like you or me, it's someone else at the keyboard doing things. And so it serves that, Damon, just like it would serve you as a person. It's, it's, it's just like the NPC 
it's really funny. You know, we make fun of the non-player characters now, the, the gray guy with the standard face. You can look at the NPC also as this daemon. It's a an empty shell process. It's an automated car, you know. It's a golf cart with no driver, but it's taking up room and it's playing the course. It's it's moving through things. Those are ethereals. Those are demons. And they've been through because we are epigenetically, you know, the sins of our fathers, because we evolve from our parents and we have these resonating code in our DNA, that code, not only can it build a spider's web, not only can it return home as a monarch butterfly, it also can charge itself based on something it learned maybe a thousand years ago. These demons can still exist and be passed down from generation to generation. And more importantly, they can be weaponized. Black magicians can take these sigils, these archetypes, and rule an entire country or an entire world. And to rule that world, you would, you would take some holly to make a, a black wand. You would take the wood of holly and you would create a cult of Diana. And in this town called Hollywood, you would create a circle and you would, in that circle, you would give everyone a ritual. And that ritual is a written script, and that script is a spell. And each person in the ritual comes into the circle in front of the camera and reads their spell. And if that spell is read correctly, with the right will and the right intentions behind it, and if all the tools of the spells are, are placed around it, and you have a single all-seeing eye, this lens that's pointed at this scene, and it's ingesting all of this magic and all the words that come back and forth, you create an illusion. You put someone in a trance. And for an hour and a half, people sit down in a theater in the dark, and the sticky Coke, that's <laughs> the sticky soft drinks that's, that's created a sap on the floor, it makes your feet stick to it. And you're, you're ingested in this dark ritual, and you're looking at a silver screen the <laughs> amazing silver is placed on a screen and these pictures that you believe are real show deities that are larger than you their head is 20 times as big as your, yours is on this screen and you sit there and you look at all their sigils and they teach you more about different sigils they teach you about ghosts and poltergeists and ETs and they teach you everything that they can put in your mind they charm you and when you leave, you go home and you think it's done. But because you just saw The Exorcist, 15 years later, you're going to get pregnant and you're going to have a kid. And that kid has that sigil inside their brain. And there's nothing that they can do about it except for find it. You don't clean, forget that movie. You know, and, and clean it up. And we don't, we don't notice that that's how it works, you know. Like, we don't understand that, that this is actually how it works. And that's why I think that this is a, this is an artifact, demons, ethereal, this is, it's so advanced, it seems like it's a, it's an echo from a previous civilization. That a long time ago, another civilization exists that understood these archetypes. And we just forgot. Or the good guys forgot. Like, all the good guys are walking around going, oh, I don't I don't mess with demons. I don't mess with magic. I don't mess with ethereals, which is fine. I, mean, I get it. But 
but if you if you do a wonderful painting, if you if you paint if you play the perfect song, if you do the perfect snowboard move, if if you if you feel inspired and you do something really amazing, that inspiration is the exact same technology. It's the exact same ethereal technology. So it it almost seems like maybe the key to us waking up is to empower ourselves again, to take over these sigils, to take responsibility for for how this stuff works, how this technology um, affects us, and you know, make it better. Stop, stop just letting uh, five companies decide what every sigil means and decide what every archetype means, because that's what's happening right now. That, that's that's how we're being programmed now. Yeah, that is especially fascinating. You could draw a lot of uh, comparisons to what you just talked about the. Um the uh, Illuminati sort of mind control, a lot of the stuff they do with the uh, altar or monarch programming. It, it seems to be it, just exactly like you say, uh, it definitely would explain a lot of those things that it can be hard to wrap your head around exactly how it works. Like we know that magic and things like that are, are related to words, but also it's, it is really so much like a computer code as well. And you could really, put something inside of somebody and then uh, use a the, the woman in the red dress to trigger a particular action. Mm-hmm. When you think of it that way, it just fits right along with what you're saying. Yeah, those those archetypes are, you know, they're strong and and, and the the older they go back into your your family, the the more powerful um they're going to be. And that's why you look at the Virgin Mary as an archetype. You look at um Jesus is an archetype. You look at uh, at any kind of idol as an archetype. You look at logos, and you really understand those are archetypes too. Um, the, the logos are. It's so funny how trivial people think logos are, but those go way, way back. You know, the different different signs mean different things a long time ago, and people know that, and so they're 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 riding the surf wave of of the psychic energy that's inside of all of us that already fear the eye, for example, or um, that already react to a certain sigil in a very strong or a very weak way. Um, it, if you start to look at, like, the human body, the human body is a living sigil. And that's why sex, that's why um, what we look like, the charismatic attachment, um, the visual cortex, all that is, th- that's like direct, it's wired directly in to your triune brain. And so because of that, you, there's just a guttural reaction to it. And that's where the magic of sigils works. That's, that's where, um, as you said, the, the, the lady in the red dress, especially in an American culture, that's, that's been charged over and over again. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a lady in a red dress. It, it, that's, that's built on. It's something that we pile on. But we add more and more to it each time. And even when an exorcism takes place, you could almost say that that's like an exorcist deleting the demon, like you would delete a um, odd bit of code or an entire program. Um, I, you're right to say that. However. Just to clarify, um, I actually think an exorcism 
even though it, it looks like it's doing that, it's doing the opposite. An exorcism is actually creating a living demon, like it's actually manifesting that. And it's using the child as a sacrifice to do that. Um, it, it's convincing the child all that, man, look at all the adrenaline running through that kid who thinks he's possessed, who thinks that there's a devil inside of him, who thinks that, that it's not that something isn't wrong with him. But it's that what he thinks is wrong with him is this eternal pit fire demon creature has <laughs> risen up through uh, the ass crack of the world and come out to pull him down into the fiery abyss. That is the sigil. That is the demon, is, is, is his belief of what that is. And so when you send in a, a, a priest and he, he buys that, he, he says, yes, that's what's happening. I'm going to exercise it from you. He's literally creating a sigil. He's creating, a, a, in this case, a real life demon, like a, an ethereal that is a demon. He's creating that, and it wasn't there before. And everyone who's in contact with him, everyone who's in contact, contact with the child, everyone who reads about it, everyone who remembers it, they're all creating that new demon too. So an exorcism isn't, it is not a cleansing. It's the exact opposite. It's, it's a, it's like hitting a 3D printer, you know? It's like hitting print. And it's like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> we, we have a demon now. And that kid, he's never going to be the same. I mean, no one's going to be the same. In fact, look at, look at what he gets to deal with. Oh yeah, that was Beezlebub came out of my, my mouth last week. <laughs> you know, crazy stuff. Yeah, definitely something there. It's it's almost like you have something going on with somebody, but once you get them believing that it's a demon, then it becomes one. Yep. You know, there there are things that 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 terrify me in my life because of my own adrenals, meaning that, you know, like maybe some people might have a fetish or a fear or something and you know, like so maybe someone doesn't like snakes or whatever. Um there are ways to cleanse that. There are ways to fix that. And it's sad that we don't, <clears throat> we don't do this in therapy. That it's one of the biggest problems I find with clinical therapy is that, um, I'm trying to think of a good example I can give you here, but you can replace, um, okay, let's say that, that, that you were in a bad relationship with someone and their name was Sue. Okay. And, it bothers you because anytime you meet someone named Sue or Susan, you, you're, you're that sigil, or not really sigil in that case, but that those words um, are charged with pain for you, okay? Because it's like, oh, and she hurt me so bad, it was so bad, you know, she did me so wrong, and you can, if if you a lot of what we do in society is we tend to like, oh, let's let's just walk away from it, let's let's don't think about it, let's. Let's, we do that with the N-word, quote, quote, you know. It's, we, we set off these little yellow cautionary signs, and we think that that is making it better. But that is making it so much worse. Because now you're, you're creating a sacred bubble around that word Sue or around the word, the N-word, or whatever word you want to talk about. And you're saying, that is something we will never touch again. And so it's preserving it. It's putting it up on a pedestal. And what you could do instead with your archetypes, what you could do if, if you really wanted your free will, if you really wanted, if you really understood how free will works, 
you would look at your endocrine system and you would say, how can I fix my endocrine system? And so if you say Sue and your endocrine system turns to acid, you need to fix that. So how do you fix that? It's no problem. All you have to do is recharge that sigil. Now, one way, <clears throat> which I don't recommend, I'll, you know, it could be, but, you know, they say, well, you go have a rebound. You know, you, you meet someone else and you have a rebound. I think that's the exact same magic. It's like you're, you're claiming your right to enjoy the other sex's body by having a rebound relationship with someone. You're recharging that sigil. You're, you're trying to wipe the slate clean of the old person and have it with the new thing. So you could do that with a word too. If that word bothers you, for example, you could go bungee jumping and you could jump out, you know, and launch yourself. And as you're launching yourself, you know, you could be saying, you know, Sue, you could be screaming that. That's like a recharge of that sigil. You're, you're creating a new endocrine algorithm for that word. And to me, that, that really is what, that's the heart of free will is that are you going to do that or are you just going to let the sigils remain as they are? Are you going to let them maintain their definition? Are you going to let someone else decide here's what a poltergeist is, you know, or here's what a banshee is instead of you looking at it and going, well, what is, is a banshee just a period? Is it just a menstrual cycle? Like, is that really what it is? Because, you know, here's this woman I love and she's, you know, having this stuff. Is, is this, is this what's going on? Like, you can recharge that. You can fix that. You don't have to look at it like, oh, it's a poltergeist is when a young girl gets sucked into a television set and, uh, you know, satanically eaten later or whatever. So, you can recharge these things. It's, it's our world. It's not theirs. We give it to them, but it doesn't have to be. What about alien abductions? What do you suppose is going on there? Uh, Fritz Springmeier, <clears throat> writer who writes about Illuminati uh, alter, you know, uh, alter personality, the idea of turning someone into a robot, into an automaton. Just read this the other day, but one of the one of the parts of someone is alien abduction part, <laughs> and it's a way of of programming in that someone's been alien abducted, and then you can access that sigil that you can access that archetype later. The people that are being alien abducted right now. I do not think that aliens are doing it. Um, I think that actually, I know that that there's a lot of um, targeted individuals that live life, and they are targeted by a lot of means. The Fort Lauderdale shooter was one. Uh, that guy was a veteran in good standing, um, combat veteran, good with a gun, um, and he was convinced that the devil was talking to him, and. Uh, the Parkland shooter, um, Cruz, said the same thing. I, I spent about a day looking at this, and I, I traced like 15 shooters across America that all said I was hearing demon voices. And as you looked more in this, at those, one of them was – they're very specific. They're all, of them, all these guys are saying someone is following me, and they're on the other side of this wall, and they've got this – device and they're aiming it at my genitals and that it sounds so nuts right you know you hear that and you're like that's crazy and if when you look on the other side of the wall there's a motherfucking psycho with a, an electron gun and he's shooting the guy's genitals like that is what's happening there that is 
what's happening. The Fort Lauderdale shooter was listening to a technology called Voice of God, you know, the ability to implant an electromagnetic sound inside of someone's head. Your skull is a parabola dish. It can pick up this stuff. It's, you know, it's not that hard to think about how this, how this kind of technology would work. Taking all that to come back to UFO abductions, this is, this, we are, we are human cows on a farm. And the farmer takes some of us and does things to us. He harvests um, our CSF. He harvests our adrenochrome. He harvests our organs. We are on a human farm. 40% of our labor every Monday and every Tuesday belongs to someone else. You have no say-so over that. That is not a free country. We are on a human farm. I cannot stress that enough. And if you look at all the abductions and when they start and if you you can start to see a pattern forming and you can go you can extrapolate really easily you can say if I had 21 trillion dollars what would I do with that and you would you play around a lot with it you know you you definitely start some sigils and start some archetypes you could start a gray archetype if you had some technology that you were hiding, like if you had electrogravitics, if you could, you know, make things levitate through, you know, just spinning, spinning uh, magnets, um, then you could fly around. And then if you could have that technology, it's really advanced. Maybe you can do things that you don't know. So you can genetically create things like we created a sheep about 30 years ago. So instead of a sheep, you might, you might go, hey, let's, let's make a, let's make a droid. Let's make a biological droid. And you go, well, how are we going to do this? This is a lot of work. So, you know, you go, well, let's, we don't need it to reproduce. So it doesn't need a, a schlong. It needs no genitals at all. So now you've got a smooth body alien. You don't want it bigger than you in case it malfunctions. So now you've got a humanoid that's not as tall as a human, so it's a little bit smaller, right? But it needs fingers and thumb because it needs to pick stuff up, you know, and go get a pizza or whatever. So it's going to look like you. It's going to be bipedal. Um, it's it'd be great if you didn't have to feed it. So if it had some kind of photosynthetic skin, like some kind of slimy frog-like skin, um, you could just charge it with a grow light. You know, you wouldn't have to worry about giving it a digestive system, or it, it, it wouldn't need that stuff. It could just live straight off the light. And then you need some kind of uh, antenna. You know, something that you can control it remotely. So you probably want to give it a nice big thick head so it could store. You know, some way that you could you could control it. And then basically you've got a drone that's a biological. It's a biological walking drone. And that drone could be powered by AI or it could be powered by, you know, someone sitting in a in a drone seat. And I think if you add these things up, and keep in mind you've got twenty one trillion. So it's it's not like I'm reaching here. I mean You've got 21 trillion. You can, you can make a lot of stuff. There's a lot of genes out there. There's a lot of different things you can try and splice and things like that. It would be really easy to build that all together and then turn that into a human trafficking program. It, no one is going to listen to the guy that's swearing up and down. There's someone shooting me in the genitals with a ray gun. Like, it's the perfect cover. <laughs> no one's going to take that seriously. So... Uh, that's my best guess. Do I know for sure? No. Do I believe experience is the ultimate arbiter of truth? Yes. Which means that if someone has encountered a, a, an alien and they, they feel like that that alien is a sentient being from another galaxy, 
I think their truth trumps mine because they experienced that. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to be the one that's going to fall for this idea that this reptilian space pope has landed and he's here to tell you that you're bad and that you've, <laughs> you've ruined the environment. And so because of that, we're going to take over. And so we need you to drop your guard and all this thought of free will is just your ego and it's time for you to ascend. And the only way you can ascend is you need to, you need to understand that you are not an enlightened being like, like Frederick over here, the reptilian space pope. He's the one that's going to show you what to do. And he's just, you know, he's one, he's one alien, so he's going to delegate. And he, he picked us. That's all. You know, we're, we're the guys that he's going to tell, and then we're going to tell you what, what he says. What's wrong with that? <laughs> and all of us are going to be like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, and it's, so that's my biggest fear. And that's why I, I look at this, all the alien stuff that's happening. It, to me, that's the Occam's razor, is that it seems more like the, that's what we're seeing happening. It's human trafficking. It also makes you wonder about a lot of what people would refer to as predictive programming. Programming, ironically, where you see certain things happen in movies and music, especially yeah. album covers and comic books and stuff like that. And then in the future, you know, it could be 20 years later, something very, very similar actually happens. It makes me wonder if that falls into what you were talking about earlier about charging sigils and, and uh, these repeating archetypes. And, and uh, maybe the predictive programming is actually causing these things to happen. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. You know, I, when I look at, at 9-11, I think David Rockefeller did that. I think that that he turned the island of Manhattan into uh, a ritual circle. You know, the, the island is surrounded in water, so you've already got a circle. And then Masons like, you know, the, the, the master's carpet is where they, they perform their ritual. And the grid of, of New York, of Manhattan, is, is a, a natural checkerboard of streets and and grids. So you've got the Masonic symbol of the checkerboard, too. And you've got these twin towers. You've got this symbol that is such a powerful archetype. It goes way, 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 way back. And I look at David Rockefeller, who, who, who gave, the Rockefellers gave the land for the, for the Twin Towers and the UN. And I picture this guy being a master magician and his name being David. Um, there's, I, I, I can't prove this, but John D. Rockefeller really makes me think a lot about Sir John D., the magician who served in the Queen's court. Um, both of them have this same idea of black magic using as a tool to rule people. And so when I look at David Rockefeller, I see him as being this golden child, um, the, the star of David, the star child of his clan, of his family, of his bloodline, and him seeing his life as a living archetype of the Antichrist. And so he grabbed hold of his life and decided that he was here to commit the most atrocious evil that he could possibly commit. He was trying to secure the title of Satan by doing something so awful 
that you know it, it would it would outshine anything that had happened before and anything that might happen after. And that's why if you look in the World Trade Center, there's there's these fires that broke out on uh, 9/11 one year. There, there's there's a lot of weird coincidences where things are trying to happen in that building. And, and as you just trace back and look at that, it, it seems like what it seems to me is, is that David Rockefeller controlled a mass world uh, cult of magicians that were getting off like they had a, a sexual fetish getting off murdering people and just being diabolical and that they were each playing off each other to see how can we make this worse. And that's why 9-11 itself was a pillage. Like in the traditional sense, that date was announced. I think invitations were sent, like probably word of mouth. But I think in the elite, there was like an invitation sent saying, hey, we invite you to come to Manhattan on 9-11 to participate in the rape and pillage of America. And that's why you have Silverstein making two to four billion dollars off the off the whole deal. That's why you have an entire four floors dedicated to a law firm of Sidley Austin and not one of them showing up to work that day on 9-11. That's why you have, what was it, $2.1 trillion that disappeared on the Pentagon the day before. That's why you have all, that's why you have the world's most expensive, advanced air defense system that's ever been assembled in our known history being foiled by 16 box cutters. The entire thing was a satanic ritual, and it was here to charge all of these sigils and to make David Rockefeller the new king of evil, you know, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if he called himself Satan because I don't know how he particularly felt, but he wanted that title, and boy, he sure he sure grabbed it, you know. Um, but as we uncover more evil. I think we're going to find out that actually that was nothing. There was a lot of here, hold my beer kind of stuff because it looks like all the history that we've been told is not even correct, you know? So who knows what other stuff happened, you know, as far as the evil stick goes. James, have you ever tried any psychedelic drugs? Yes, I have. Um, peyote was interesting um, LSD and mushrooms and <laughs> uh, see I think that's it um, yeah that's probably it those are probably the only drugs I have done has been hallucinogenic I've, I've never done cocaine never had any interest to it um, not really big on alcohol um and I would do mescaline if I could. Um, Carlos Castaneda, I think, is an amazing writer. And I think there's some interesting things that he has to say about plants and allies and whatnot. What about, what about you? Uh, yeah, I've, I've tried um, I've tried those and, and a few others. Uh, same thing with me, never got into hard drugs. Never even really tried them. But I, I definitely, I suppose they they might have connected me with uh, certain certain lines of thought and opened me up to more possibilities and things like that. Mm-hmm. I I definitely feel like there's something going on there because a lot of people do experience demons while they're on 
psychedelic substances. And in fact, they'll even tell you, well, you need to have a shaman with you to uh, keep an eye on you and, and yeah. uh, use, use uh, trinkets and fetishes and things like that in order to protect you from these demons that you're going to encounter once you enter into that state. Yeah. Um, you know, in ayahuasca, you know, a lot of people, um, I haven't done ayahuasca, but uh, a good friend of mine, he, he's, he's done it quite a bit. Um, I, I think those are portals for sure. And, uh, there's so much, um, there's so much sociopathy around drug, like around drugs. Like there, there's it, the moment you have a bottleneck where here's a substance and it is quote, quote magical, you know, it has these properties. That's really special. The moment you have a bottleneck, it, it automatically kind of taints, taints what's going on. There's, it, sharks kind of come around and turned into this control thing, you know, like who's the candy man, <laughs> who's the who's the bearer of the wisdom mushroom or whatever. And so because of that, I, I really haven't delved that much into it. Like it, 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 I've done it enough to experiment and to and to see, okay, wow, the, my consciousness could be expanded this way or it could be this or that way, but it, I really haven't been in that kick. In a long time, I, I I I really like my lucid, conscious moments more now. I I feel like they're more productive. I guess um, you know it could just be age or, or you know you kind of go into a phase and then you you come out the other side too. But I'm worried about that <clears throat> the the energy that comes around because it's legal because it's there's a bottleneck there. It it, a lot of times you see you see some kind of bad mojo that surrounds it, and that's why I'm worried about you know like well you need a shaman. It, the second you tell someone you need a shaman, you're also you're also sort of you're you're wounding that person. You're telling them you need a shaman, so you're creating this kind of codependency thing that's happening as they're entering into an experience with something where what you really need to be telling them is, you know, instead of you the man, you need to be like, you the shaman, man, you the shaman. Like, you, you got this. Like, that's what needs to happen. Not, not, you are not wise enough to pass the sacred branch until, you know, like the opposite of that. You, you want the opposite. Uh, at least that's, that's how I, I look at it. Are we in the end of days? Um, well, that's, that's a good question. Um, I, I think if something bad's going to happen, um, it won't happen all over the world, uh, whatever the world is. Um, I think it's probably not the best, America's probably not the best place to be. Like, like if something bad was to happen, I think it would be in America. That makes the most sense to me. But would it be like, is there something bigger than that that's going to happen? Uh, I don't know. It could. It could, but it almost seems futile to even think about it. Um, it, it I more would rather focus on what would the psychopaths do because that's something we could, like, stop. So if, if you mean end of days in the psychopaths, you know, having a 9-11 but much bigger, yeah, that, 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 you know, maybe that could happen. But I don't know about the other stuff because it – I, I guess when I hear that, it makes me think about the you know the deluge that that happened, you know, like thirteen thousand years ago. I guess, like what what caused that? Who who caused that? If it was a who, what, why? 
why was that caused? You know, um, it that that's going to happen again. So I, I guess I guess we could have it. We will have it in the days eventually. Yeah, that's a good point because uh, supposedly there were a lot of the same things going on. These sorcerers using magic and, and programming and and maybe even crystals and things like that, or, or maybe that's Atlantis, but something was being abused. Well, it, but I don't know if it was abused, you know, but like it, it, the story says something was being abused. Um, but I, we we just have to remember that psychopaths have gotten to, they write every bit of history that we read, religious, academic, all of that. Every every word is written by a psychopath or is um, commissioned by a psychopath. It, it's so important that, that we remember that and so when I look back at shame you know whenever you look at like ancient shame and how that that gets transferred over I more see well that's just the psychopath talking like that's the, so I don't even know if the stories that we hear about that are necessarily true I, I to me I'd rather look at what can I directly experience and and then derive derive what truth I can from that, and that's why I'm talking about this technology of demons because it. When you look at mental health, you can see this technology in place, and I think it sort of you start to unravel the signature, you know, what the actual signature is, and there's definitely been an evil hand that's been at play for a long, long time, um, but I don't. I, I personally don't think that that evil hand is like an accident. Like, I don't look at the world as like, oh, darn, God, God let let a bad guy get through, and now and now it's all screwed up. You know, it, it that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it, if that was the case, then God isn't really like a God. It, God was more like you and me, and we have an ant farm, you know, and we. We came home from school with our ant farm, and, and we wanted to seed that ant farm, so we put a bunch of black ants in there, and, and accidentally a red ant got in there, too. And it just, oh, man, came back, and now the red ant's ruling all the black ants. Like, if that's the god, then that person isn't the god. He's more like you and me, just a lot bigger and a lot smarter, you know? Like, it's just someone that's just sort of like, oh, red ant got in there. So, it... So even if that is what's going to happen, it's kind of futile to even think about it. And that doesn't sound like God. It sounds more like a kid with an ant, an ant farm. Do you have any favorite authors or or, or heroes or anybody that you look up to in like the conspiracy paranormal field? Um, I don't like to have heroes. I think I think heroes are dangerous, and then when you meet your hero, it's just it's like such a kick in the face when you meet <laughs> a hero because it's almost you know a hero is an archetype, and so like Berkeley Breathed is probably the last hero I had. He's a cartoonist, draws a cartoon called Bloom County, and uh, it's just really amazing artist. And like I consider him a hero, and then as I kind of traced him down on the internet and started to see who he was as a person and how he responded to people, I realized, oh, that is not a hero at all. Like, <laughs> I liked him better <laughs> when I didn't know who he was. I liked him better when when I had the archetype, you know, of of who he was. Um, plus, 
when when you think about a hero, you're constantly you're the person that's not the hero because you're thinking about a hero, and it you know this is my movie right now, and so I need to be that hero, and so I'd rather just you know figure out what I can solve, what I can do, but when it comes to truth, you know, and chasing the <clears throat> the truth down, I, I I have heroes every day that they challenge me. They say things that I didn't think about or they, you know, they refute something I say or they tell me something I just hadn't considered. I think that's probably the closest to, you know, who I look up to. I really look up to people that do that. And it doesn't matter who that is. It doesn't matter what their track record was the day before, you know. it. So that's what I look up to more is that I can't, I can't go to a store and buy feedback you know, I can only come to Twitter or do a radio show or write an article or write a book and wait for people to respond to it and then take that and do something with that. So that feedback is something that I look up I look up to a lot. That would be something that let me put it this way. If you're looking for who you think knows what's happening in the world, and let's say you're on Twitter, look at how many people they follow. And that tells you a lot about what they're willing to consider, where they consider their information, if at all. Like, and I'm not saying that's foolproof; it always works. But that's an example of what I mean. It, my hero in the truth community is not going to be someone that knows the truth about something. It's more about someone that's like, well, you know, James, your theory fit this, this, and this, and this, but it failed on this. And because of that, you know, maybe this is better. It That, to me, is more of uh, what I look up to. And that's not even like individual, you know? That's more of like a nebulous thing that happens. That's why I love Twitter. It's a, You're entering a, a nebulous pool of information. And as soon as someone gives me an idea, I don't even know five minutes later who that was. It's like you're, you're verifying purely on the merit of what's what you've been told you're you're not you're not assigning it to well this is a phd from stanford or this is a of this from this or this is a that from that because one thing you learn on twitter like with the doctor you're talking to a guy that's that's a doctor and doesn't know that crystals are in every or in his own cell phone like he doesn't even know that so it you get to dismiss this whole you know well what what are the credentialing what is the expert status and you just more about well, what do you got you know, it, do, do you have a sandwich of an idea here or not? And that's more of the value. So I, I think I look up, look up more to that. Yeah, you don't really have to have a degree or, or be a perceived authority on any subject to understand it or wrap your head around it. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that anybody can understand anything eventually. I think, I think if, if you're, if you find, if you find yourself around people that say, well, you have to be this smart to understand it, I think they're lying to you. And I think if you look at, at rocket science, look at the the look at the stigmata that's been placed, and that's another magical thing if you think about it, because the phrase rocket science has been charged as something that's really hard. And to me, that's that's really what exposes that it's a fraud, is that you have all these same media companies that are that are you know, insinuating and, and just beating it into you over and over again 
rocket science is hard. Rocket science is hard. That's why when you start to question, well, what are you pushing against in a vacuum, dude? Like, how how is spitting something out the back going to propel you forward if you're spitting something out the back and there's nothing, like, it's just a negative pressure there. It's But because they're a rocket scientist, you're more like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to ask you because you know you're a rocket scientist. (laughs) And I'm not. Like, that gives it away right there. And experts, experts are the worst. Experts is what's wrong with this world. Is we have this myth that there's something called an expert out there and that you just wouldn't understand, you know. That's why we're told, you know, you're spending ten times the speed of sound. It, we're told that, and we're just like, yeah, it must be true, because I'm not a theoretical physicist, so it must be true. And it's that's what's making us slaves, is that we are assuming there's an expert out there. Like, there's, I don't know if it's bad that, that Monsanto's doing this, but the EPA, they, they do. They're the expert, you know, or the president, or whatever senator it's it's this giving up of consciousness to authority to fall into the trance of the expert it's probably the most dangerous thing that's happening to us right now do you believe in god oh yeah definitely um it's not the it's not the it's not the it's not the it's not a god that that gets involved like I do, I, I volunteer to do animal rescue stuff, it's, and it's it's rewarding work, but it's hard work because you you like your goal is to not be seen. If you want to really help an animal, you want you don't want the animal to even know who you are. You don't want them to entrain on you. You don't want them to imprint on you. You don't want them to look at you as a source of food or health or warmth or anything you you want them a successful animal rescue is an animal that you let go and that animal was the same as it was before it was injured like that's what makes it a success if 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 you rescue a deer and then you raise it and now this deer is like your your dog or something you didn't rescue that animal <laughs> you enslaved that animal and you might be well you treated it really great but that's you, that's not an animal anymore. Now it's a dependent creature that relies on you. Now your ego, you know, your personal life may love that, and and sure, you know, if that's where you want to go. But that's not what a god would do. That's not what God would do. I think a god, I think our god is is smarter than that. I think he's like an animal rescuer times a million, like or times a billion, bazillion, whatever. It's it's. It's he's doing that, but but so much more, and that's why when I look back at religious history, and I look at people worshiping relics, and they won't even admit that they're relics, but any kind of charm, any kind of object, any kind of book, any kind of writing is a relic. It's a form of idolatry, and I can't imagine God being so uh, flawed to think that a book would work. Like, let's say we go back to the ant farm, you know, and there's all these black ants, and then we got that one red ant in there, and the, and the red ant's just terrorizing everybody. 
if we're pretending that that's what happened, then it would make sense that then we would also pretend that, well, now we're going to inject a little tiny book, and those ants are going to read this book, and it's going to fix everything. And it goes back to that whole idea of, you know, well, well, first we'll apply a mouse, and then we'll apply a cat, and then we'll apply a dog, and then we'll apply a wolf, and then we'll apply, you know, it's it's none of those sound like something that God would do. And so when I look at the universe, and I look at this amazing place, and I think about God, God isn't having a son, a child, and then that child's coming down and being murdered. And then every single person that's burned, that's born after that murder is being told, hey man, God's son died because of you. Like, I don't think that that's what's happening at all. I think that's a shame cult. I think that's telling someone, you owe a life debt to someone else before you were even born because of how awful or, or foul or sinful or broken you are. And God's son had to die because of you. Do you know how cool that guy was? He was the coolest guy around and he had to die because of you. It, it's such a mind fuck. It, and when I grew up, when I was told that growing up, that's what led me down my own path of of like, what the fuckness? Like, just walking around permanently, like, there's no way this can be right, guys. There's no way that this can be how it works. There's just no freaking way. And then it doesn't matter how many times you say that. You know, I was a truth or five saying that. Because either I was told, well, there's a little bit of devil in you. You know, <laughs> we need to get that out of you. Or, well, that's that's what Satan would say. Or, or you know, well, you just don't understand you don't understand how much God loves you. He loves you so much that he that he that he gave his only son. And not once did anyone hear me growing up because I would tell them, but I didn't have a choice. I would have much rather if this is a choice, then please just let me die. I don't I didn't even ask to be here. So why why am I being born into this as a debt? Why am I why am I stepping off the train and second the second I get off the train I'm being handed a bill? It says, look, man, for you to be here, God's only son had to die. So I don't believe in that, but I definitely believe in God. I, I think I'm talking to him right now. I think, I think, I think God is everything. It's literally every single knob, button, key, press, thought, everything. Do you listen to music, and if so, who do you like? Um, I've been writing like crazy so much, and because of the writing, the music hasn't been as big of a part of my life as it used to be. It used to be huge. Um, I'm surrounded with every instrument that I can think of around me. I, I'd love to play music. Um, really enjoy just kind of, you know, I would say classical guitar would be the probably the the instrument I play the most um or enjoy the most and so oh a nylon that, string I'm just kind of playing stuff you know what what was that oh a, a nylon string yeah yeah I really love the the acoustics the the texture of that is just beautiful if I could play anything I think I after all these years of trying all these different instruments I think like a Spanish guitar it's kind of like a wider fret uh board and I think I would really enjoy that because I don't play fluid enough every single day 
um, where I just think that would be the ideal instrument. But right now, yeah, I've just got a regular classical and uh, acoustic and electric and uh, my piano and stuff. Well, what about you? Uh, I'm I'm kind of the same. I, I have a collection of instruments. I have one classical guitar, but it's not a not a Spanish classical guitar. It's just a cheaper uh, Ibanez model that I picked up from the guitar center. But it it sounds pretty good to me. I'm I'm sure it doesn't sound quite as uh, smooth and articulate and and plucky and beautiful as an actual guitar imported from Spain. Which which like you, I I do hope to actually possess and own one of these days. Yeah, and, it, and I don't even think it has to be from Spain. I mean, guitars are really made well made now, but the the flamenco guitar I'm talking about is just uh, apparently the fretboard is just a lot wider, and so there's just more room to play um, in your fingerings and stuff. And uh, I've just noticed that my fingers are a little bit too stubby for my liking, and it would probably be a better instrument, you know, versus say like a mandolin or something. I do have a mandolin, but. Man, those things are annoying to tune, and and then to try and get your fingers in the middle and those tiny strings is is takes a lot more practice than I'm willing to give it. So, yeah, that's kind of my uh, I'm I'm the same as you. I, I've kind of grown out of the psychedelic drug sort of thing, but music is kind of the way that I alter my own consciousness nowadays. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. It really is. That that's the perfect way of putting it. It definitely alters your consciousness for sure. I uh. When I grew up, I, I actually talked about, I haven't even mentioned my book, but I, I wrote a book. It just came out in October, and uh, I I was in, and this is going to sound kind of cheesy uh, or corny, but just hear me out. I was in a, a boys' choir, and we traveled all over the world. And part of that traveling meant that I sang in the Sistine Chapel, I sang in Notre Dame, I sang with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I, I, I was allowed into these really big halls. And I was one of the people that got to fill my voice uh, in that in that experience and the the experience of being inside St. Paul's Cathedral, for example, and and, and singing and being a part of this uh, archetypal, ancient, historic uh, calling, you know, through song is that really is the most transcendental thing I think that's probably ever happened to me is, you know, having that relationship with music is it. it if music doesn't prove that that there's a god i i don't know what else would it there's no reason for music like it there's not an intrinsic like you know well if it wasn't for music you know it's not like a gallbladder you know it it although maybe you don't need a gallbladder but you know what i mean it it's it's this thing that's just so esoterically beautiful it doesn't really have a a flat purpose you know it's it's it has a greater it's it's more of a harmonic but but also you know music is magic too it if you pluck a string and then you pluck a string halfway uh those are two different notes those are actually octaves of each other and if you play one string and then you play another string the third string you're going to hear sympathetically it's going to resonate you're going to hear a note but you didn't actually play it and that truly is the magic of magic it, you know magic is an energy a frequency and a vibration and that's exactly what music is and you can create with magic just like you can create with music you can play two tones but if they're the right two tones they resonate and they create a third tone that wasn't there before and realistically that's exactly what a magic spell is that's exactly what 
what a command is. It's in your mind, you visualize, I would like for my dog to sit. And then you say, hey, dog, sit. And then in the real world, if you have the right energy, frequency, and vibration, the dog sits. And that, you know, that's a magic spell. It happened with an energy, a frequency, and a vibration. That's how the world works. James, what what's ahead? Uh, any plans for the future? Where do you see this all going? Um, I am about 20,000 words into my next novel. It's the satellite one I was talking about. And uh, I want to finish that, hopefully this winter. Um, my ultimate dream would actually, I want to have a campground. I think that would be the perfect palette, is if I owned a campground. And in that campground, um, I had a little computer lab. I think I could teach, because I'm getting older, I think I'd be good at teaching kids like about artificial intelligence or about programming. And uh, I could see this place where, you know, people come in the summer and they kind of do this intensive campground experience where you're learning code during the day and then, you know, you're just out on this campground and doing a lot of art and stuff. I, I do sculpture with bamboo, um, like large format sculpture and stuff. And it'd be really cool to have an outdoor palette that I could just keep building stuff and keep interacting with people, keep pushing, um, pushing our advancement, our liberation, uh, I think if I had a campground, you could sort of create this sort of psyop bunker, like anti-psyop bunker, where people could come and just kind of remember other things, like the power of a campfire. It's such a powerful sigil, is the campfire. It, we should all be around campfire all the time, and we're not. We, we rarely ever see one. And if I had a campground, it would be about the fire. It would It would be a big... A big ceremony, you know, every night where the, the fire is a part of that. I, I used to work in a wilderness camp for kids, and, and I really just saw how powerful this magic is, this this land, this sacred place of, of setting up something like that. So I think if I could do anything, it would be to, to, to get there. So many stars in the sky just goes on and on and on. The only reason we haven't run into any aliens is because the universe is so fast. They're just out of reach. They're always out of reach. Something's wrong with that. Why are they always out of reach? All we get is a bunch of goofy CGI. And then we send up a space probe and it shoots into the shoots into the high atmosphere and off into space and it travels thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of miles away and then it hits the gravitational field of Jupiter and it spins around halfway and takes a bunch of really high-quality CGI pictures, and then it gets slung shot, it acts like a slingshot, and it, it leaves the orbit of Jupiter because we fired it just right. We did the math and we fired it just right. And now it's headed to Saturn. It's traveling to Saturn. And then it gets to Saturn and it takes a bunch of high-quality CGI pictures. Oh, wow. We planned that out so well. It's just like a huge game of pool where we can time our shots. It just sounds so unbelievable. You know, you add all this stuff up. All the NASA fakery, you know, the flat Earth material, whether it's flat or not. But it just all kind of comes together. And you start asking yourself, are there really any aliens? Was this just all fake? If you look at William Cooper, 
he said very early on, before all this alien stuff was going on, he said that they were doing this. They were releasing false information about aliens and UFOs. They're trying to create a false bad guy or create a fake alien invasion in the future, something like that. They have their reasons. But William Cooper was saying this back before we had the David Icke and the reptilians and stuff like that. And then you could look at the the David Icke material and you see that it's a lot of his early work were published by the Lucis Trust and connected to all these uh you know various Illuminati vectors and stuff like that. Alice Bailey, the Lucis Lucius Trust. And you may, you keep making these connections, you keep looking into it and you and you see the documentation and the evidence that the shadow government the Illuminati, they, they have been doing this. They have been purposely releasing disinformation in order to kind of fool everybody. So I I believe that, you know, uh, the more and more deeper you look into this alien thing, the more you get frustrated because you never really get any solid information about these aliens or what their planet's like, what their species is like. It's all a bunch of channeled information, uh, eyewitness testimonies. There's no real proof or evidence. There just isn't. They say, oh, it's the math. There's so many stars out there. Daniel, you retard. How could you not believe in aliens? And then you look at this ancient alien stuff. It's just so pathetic. It's like, oh, look at this tale from ancient Sumer where this god, he was riding a bird. And of course, according to the ancient aliens weirdos, they say the bird actually means spacecraft. It's a UFO. It has to be, right? Because who would ride an actual bird? Of course, it's some sort of uh, Flash Gordon jet bike or something like that, right? (laughs) Of course it is, right? And he's throwing lightning at bad guys. Oh, well, he wasn't throwing lightning. He was, of course, shooting some kind of laser gun. It's some sort of technology. I mean, it's a stretch. It's a stretch of the imagination. It's a twist. We have to reach very deep in order to make these connections. I'm sorry, but if there were aliens on this planet in the past, we'd have something. We'd we'd have some kind of device. We'd have some clear-cut diagrams and pictures on on old walls, murals. We'd have some very direct sort of evidence to support this. And we'd be able to learn about the aliens and their, their culture and where they came from. But there weren't any aliens. There may have been entities. There probably were. In every culture, there's things like demons and gods and things like that. Sure. But flesh and blood, nuts and bolts, aliens from other planets? Nah. I just don't see that. It's just, it's illogical. I'm using science here. I'm not just pulling this out of my buttocks. I'm actually using science and logic to deduce and discern and I'm sorry if that offends anybody out there. Um, a lot of people out there, they believe that they are alien hybrids or, <coughs> oh, I'm not an alien. It's only my soul that's an alien. I'm an alien on the inside. Okay, well, if you're an alien on the inside, that's convenient, right? Because that's a part of you that we can't really see, we can't test, we can't confirm it. It's just sort of inside you somewhere. And we got to kind of take your word for it, right? Kind of like the channeling thing. 
And I know that's annoying when a guy like me plays skeptic about topics like this. I know that's kind of insulting, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm just being honest of what I believe. I got to be real. I can't be like one of these guys on terrestrial radio, <coughs> George Story, <coughs> who's just, you know, pushing this stuff because he's supposed to, because it makes him money or whatever. I, I'm not going to just push this. I mean, I'll still have the alien people on the show. Why not? I mean, what they're talking about, that these things are happening to people. It might it might be some kind of demonic deception, or it might be Illuminati type of stuff. It, it might be their own delusions, but it is happening to them in some form or another. So I'm still going to touch on that stuff. It's still a piece of the puzzle, and I don't know everything, of course. I could be wrong about this. I don't think I am, though. But, you know, I'm, I'm still going to I'll still talk to the reptilian people and people like that. I'm not going to just talk to a flat earth Christian or anything like that. So don't worry. We'll still cover all the same stuff. You know, I might be a little bit more picky about who I bring on the show. I mean, if it just is obviously not true, then why would I spend time or spend your guys' time on that? Which I'm sure you can totally vibe with. I try to only cover things that are true. And there is something to... Things like the alien love bite and this reptilian phenomena. I, I just don't believe they're reptilians. I believe they're like some kind of demonic, archonic entities of some kind. They're just, they're tricksters. Like these demons, they're deceivers. They're deceptive. Lucifer's the prince of lies, right? He really knows how to get in y'all heads and get things twisted in your mind. And I do believe in God, and I do believe in the devil. I'm sorry if that makes me seem ignorant to some of you out there. I've just really been around the block, and I've been very anti, anti-Christianity anti and anti-belief in God or belief in the devil for probably the vast majority of my life. But uh, I'm not born again or anything like that. I'm not going to start going to church. I'm not going to pop open a Bible. But it's like... Once I started just believing in God again, it's like all the mumbo-jumbo and all the chasing my tail and all of the confusion. and whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like it just stopped and I sort of just, this feeling of peace and happiness kind of came over me. Just this feeling like all of a sudden I'm right as rain and things kind of make sense. Things have come full circle. It's not as complicated as I thought. I don't have to spend my whole life chasing these little false rabbit trails and these mysteries and learn every little thing about the occult and every little thing that goes inside of that coffin and the secret society where the guys are kissing the goats and jerking each other off. The, the old men are jerking each other off in the coffins. <laughs> I don't need to know all that stuff. It doesn't matter. It's frivolous. It's just a hook. It's like Scientology where they tell you, oh, if you make it to the 30th, 30th level and, and you become like Tom Cruise, then you get a read from the Book of Life and then you'll really know the secrets, but you're not there quite yet. You know, they keep that carrot stick in front of you because they always want you chasing over this occult knowledge. I, I don't have to spend my whole life reading all these occult esoteric books. I mean, I'm just going to get old before I ever get to the end of most of them. You know, they're so long. I don't need to do that. I can enjoy a football game. I can, uh, you know, it's just, oh, some of these new age beliefs, especially, you know, the, the, there's so many weird little beliefs. You know, who knows if they're even true? Like reincarnation, like reincarnation could be totally true. 
But do I really have anything to go on where I should accept reincarnation as fact? And people are going to get mad. Of course it's true. What's wrong with you? You're stupid. No, it's it's opinion. It's belief. You don't know that. You don't know if it's demons or AI or archons or goblins or banshees on their period. <laughs> right? Ah, okay. So enough ranting and enough ranting about aliens. So sick of them. Freaking aliens coming all the way out here so they can stick something up the butt, do a butt experiment. Yeah, aliens really are concerned with your butt. Really. Your your butt is the center of the universe and it contains the secrets of the universe. I mean, inside of your butt is everything. <laughs> right? It's the holy grail. It's the holiest of holies. You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. These things these aliens are supposedly doing. Why? Oh, we gotta stick this device into Whitley Streamer's butt. Then, then our species will be saved. Okay, so... Whoa, shit! What's going on? <laughs> Let's answer that. Hello? What's up, Daniel? Oh, hey there, Al. You don't believe in aliens anymore, huh? Uh, not in the sense that I used to. That's, that's, um, I don't want to say that I don't believe them in at all because I don't know if that's really where I should go completely. I just don't believe in the sort of flesh and blood, nuts and bolts aliens. I, I believe they are entities. Well, here's why they don't, we don't see them is because they created the human race and they don't want us to see them. They also created your astral meat set called the soul. Te- technically, we're all pure thought. Does that make any sense? Yeah, sure. But uh, again, it's it's just taking the the gods of old and giving them a different label. I mean, you could say that it was Zeus that created us, and Zeus is out there, and he he remains hidden because he doesn't want us to see him. No, the gods of old are just. Aliens. Well, maybe they were, but how can we really know that? I mean, we don't really have any good evidence that they were aliens. We could just say that they're aliens, but really what we're doing is we're taking the little green men and we're giving them all sorts of magical powers, and and we're we're just making them the same as the gods of old, and we're using a different word for it. Yeah, but if you think about it this way, let's say you got a time machine, you traveled back into, let's say... 10,000 years ago, and you were walking, and you had a car, you took a car with you, with a full tank of gas, and you started driving around, and you had a, your CD player, and you're all cranking up your tunes and shit like that, and they all think of you as a god, now wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, definitely, but I mean, you, you, you could say that that was technology being used back then, but. Who's to say that the aliens wouldn't just say, hey, this is how this works, and we're from this place, and why don't you write it down in a book over here? And You don't really see that. They, they just say that they're gods. And I mean, why, am I, why do I need to call them aliens? We, I would have to stretch and project things onto the situation to turn them into aliens. Why, why can't I just believe that they were gods? Well, like I said, if you, walk, if you had a time machine, you traveled back into 
let's say a thousand years ago, and you're driving around in your car and cranking up your stereo, blasting your music, they would think of you as a god, now wouldn't they? Or a demon, one or the other. Yeah, but if I was a god, they would think I was a god too. Yeah, but there is no God. God is everything. Like dude said, everything you see is God. Maybe, maybe there is gods and there aren't any aliens. Maybe it's just that we're creating these aliens from other planets to explain something. Maybe that's the projection. Maybe it's reverse. Well, here's why they don't make contact with us. According to them, we're just a jerk. We're just a bunch of stupid monkeys on a jerkwater planet in the backwoods of the Milky Way galaxy. But what are they? They're just a bunch of butt-obsessed little green men with big, ugly eyes that try to molest us occasionally. Well, you know why aliens uh, do anal probes, don't you? No. Any self-respecting alien knows that's the quickest way to get to the human brain. (laughs) Basically, humans are just walking around staring at their belly buttons. Okay, that's another thing, Al. Okay, um, that begs another point. The the aliens, the gods back then, why don't they resemble the reptilians or the gray aliens of today that people report from abductions? Why are they completely different? Well, according to the Arantia book, the Earth is, because Earth got involved in the Lucifer Rebellion, you heard about that, right? Yeah. But the Earth got put under quarantine, and it's 500,000 years behind its scheduled uh, uh, progress. So they're just humans from other planets that are more advanced than us because they didn't engage in the rebellion with Lucifer and Satan. And they're like, like I said, we're 500,000 years behind our scheduled development because it's been under quarantine for that long, planet Earth. So we're just a bunch of, that's why they look like humans, unlike Egypt on the hieroglyphs and stuff. But even in that sort of way of looking at the universe, you don't say like, oh, it's a flesh and blood, nuts and bolts alien from this and such part of the universe. It's always like, oh, the aliens on the planet died and they evolved into higher beings and now they're interdimensionals and now they're they're just beings of pure energy and thought. I mean, that's not really an alien at that point. That's an entity. Why? So why not just believe in entities? No, those are ascended beings. Like, like in the Urantia book, it explains that once you get to a certain state of development, psychologically and mentally, then you get to live out your life as pure spirit. And not you don't have to incarnate in the flesh and blood. But isn't that just Christianity when you really think about it? It's just switching a few little things around. No, I don't believe in Christianity. I think it's a crock of shit. I've, I've studied and I found out, like I told you before, Jesus and Turk and Jehovah are just people that live down the earth and they're up in an upper astral plane. Got a bunch of dumbasses pulled in and thinking they're God and his son. But couldn't you say and the same thing about the, the law, Couldn't you say the same the thing about... The, what's that? Go ahead. Now you're breaking up what you said. Oh, I was just going to say, couldn't you say the same thing about the book of Arantia? I mean... It just—it could be just written by some guy or written by some demon that somebody was channeling or something like that. I mean, why is it that these ancient sort of beliefs, there's no way they could be true, but this book that some guy wrote that 
some people think is real, how could that be more truthful than these ancient texts that have all these things in them that ring true spiritually? Well, those ancient texts were designed for the time. Mankind's reached a spot where he's ready for, or he's met, uh, reached a point uh, psychologically and mentally where he can handle the truth. But wouldn't you think that if there is this big conspiracy out there that it doesn't necessarily have to be that it all comes down to aliens? Maybe aliens are a part of that conspiracy as well. Maybe they're just another layer of that, and it's not the big bad aliens that are behind it all. It's really that these aliens are part of the hoax and the deception that's before our eyes. Yeah, I used to work with a board named Chris, and I asked him one time, what do you think of aliens? And he's all, oh, they're demons sent by the devil to trick us. I, I just had to laugh at that. All I know is that they keep themselves hidden because uh, most people, they came in contact with an actual alien, they just freeze in fear. They're not psychologically able to deal with it. They've been programmed by the Judeo-Christian lie. But why does it have to be that the Judaism, which goes back a very long ways, why does it have to be that those beliefs are the lie and this new alien religion is the truth? Because a lot of people believe in this. It doesn't. A person that believes in aliens or ancient aliens, they're not really a rarity anymore. It seems like most people actually are starting to believe this. 63% of the American public believes in aliens now. Sounds an awful lot like a religion, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know. You know what's the difference between a cult and a religion? It's how they treat you when you try to leave it. And that's what you have with a lot of these alien cults. There's usually some leader that's channeling information and a bunch of little puppets that are being mind-controlled. The, the alien and UFO cults are, are quite popular. Yeah, exactly. Like you're supposed to, not supposed to join an organized religion. You're just supposed to develop these beliefs on your own and worship by yourself, not in a group setting. Group settings are like religions are just comfort zones. That's all they are. But isn't that what the Book of Urantia is, or any of these beliefs in aliens that you die and you get recycled? Isn't that just a modern day religion that some person put on the internet one day? No, it's been a book that was written in 1934 and first published in 1952. And there's no religion based on it. There's no group of people. There's some groups that get together and study together, but there's no such thing as a religion of it. But isn't it just another belief system that might be true, but we could just throw it in the bin with all the other ones, like Hinduism and Buddhism and and what the people, what the Native Americans believed, a big coyote created everything? Isn't it just another one? Actually, according to the Native Americans, we live, the Earth is a big giant turtle, and we live on its back. Now that is the truth. You ever watch Futurama? I love that show. Remember the episode where Bender goes off flying out into space, and then all of a sudden a civilization develops on his body, and he's their god? <laughs> I haven't seen that one, but that sounds hilarious. Now, on, the, yeah, on his belly, they're all like Amish people. And they're all like, he talks to them and stuff like that. And then towards the end, they start talking about how they need to destroy their enemy, which lives on, the civilization lives on his back. 
all of a sudden, uh, the people that live on his back that he never talked to develop nuclear bombs and shit like that and send them around, around Bender onto the front side and start bombing everybody. And they're all, why God, why are you letting this happen? He's all, eh, I'm a loop that way. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, God, like you were saying about the ant farm, it's just an ant farm to him. Well, hey, uh, Al, there's a new show. It's on Netflix. I believe it's called Disenchantment, and it's actually made by the people that did Futurama. Is it a cartoon? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have Netflix. I don't pay for TV. Well, it's set in, like, a medieval sort of fantasy world, and the main character, who's a princess with awful buck teeth, she has a little companion that's a demon named Lucy, short for Lucifer. Yeah, that sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I knew that would get you. I knew that hooky, hooky and Al. What really pisses me off is fucking CBS puts Star Trek Discovery on one episode and then fucking got to go to CBS All Access to watch and you got to pay six bucks a month to fucking watch the new Star Trek. Is it any good? I don't know. I saw the first one and kind of disappointed it, but I wanted to, you know, watch some other ones and let it progress, see how it goes. And then they, they put the first episode on air and then the rest of them they're putting on their... Uh, website. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how they're getting everybody on that app because they know there's a huge contingent of Star Trek fans out there, and by putting that on the app, everybody's going to download their app and get on that. Otherwise, no Star Trek for you. Well, I've been on a lot of science fiction uh, Facebook pages, and everybody's all pissed off about it. And they ain't watching it because they charge you six. If it was free, I might go there and watch it, but it's six bucks a month to have access to it. Which means you have to have a credit card, which I don't own. But there's another new Star Trek series coming out based on Picard. Oh. And then there's another one coming out. I guess there's a spin-off of this new Star Trek Discovery coming out soon, too. It, like you said, they wow. figure they can just rip off all the Trekkies by making them pay for watching it. Yeah, it, I have a feeling that it's, um, it's somewhat mediocre. I wasn't that impressed with the last couple of the Star Trek movies, and a lot of that stuff's really hit and miss. I mean, I can't really, honestly, I can't say any of the shows were bad. Uh, Deep Space Nine had a huge following. I was a big fan of Voyager. Um, Enterprise wasn't really the best show, but it still kind of had that contingent of fans there and some pretty classic sort of things that happened. Uh, it's The shows have never really failed. They've never really failed. The movies, maybe, but the shows have always kind of been successes. Well, when Enterprise first came out, I wasn't a big fan of Scott Bakker, so I was like, eh, whatever, but I've been having it on H&I every night. I got the first Star Trek, and then Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, and then Enterprise, and I started watching them, all the Enterprise, and I thought, hey, this is actually a pretty good show. I'm digging the concept here with the Zindi and all that. Well, I really like the Borg thing, because that's transhumanism, and that's what's going on right now. There is a force... And you could call them aliens or entities. I prefer entities. But they they are trying to do just that to us. They're trying to turn us into machines. And they're trying to turn us into a collective mind. And they're trying to make us slaves to this machine network. That's kind of funny you mentioned that because when this weird shit started with me, I kept saying, we are bored. You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. It is. It is. It, it, that's exactly what's going on. The Borg are here. They're trying to simulate us, and 
and people are accepting it. They're taking the mark. They're accepting the chip. That's going way beyond that. I was offered an Android body to place my consciousness into it so I could live for 10,000 years. Sounds like a pretty good deal. I turned them down. I wasn't interested in being one of their puppets. How do you know that you didn't actually take the deal and they were, they erased that part of your memory, and if you were to take a knife and cut into your arm, you might see some cybernetic parts? Uh, I actually did have fake skin for a while. I actually was in that for a bit, but they let me go. My skin was made out of fiberglass. Who let you go? They did. Uh, you've heard of the Mandela effect, right? Yes. At the timeline, it's constantly changing. The Matrix is all fucked up right now because of all their time travel. It's full of potholes and it's falling apart. Because they keep going, people that are in control keep going back and trying to maintain their power, their power structure by changing things that would have, uh, like, uh, what's a good example? Uh, like, like a lot of these cop shootings, they were getting rid of people that in the future are going to be rebel rousers against the system. Now that I definitely believe. In fact, I believe that something like that may have even happened to myself. Yeah, well, the problem with that is that's fucking up the matrix. You can't, you, you can't, you know, it's got a certain script that it follows, and if you go around changing the script, then that starts creating potholes. And so the matrix is kind of falling apart. I've been seeing all kinds of glitches in the matrix myself. Like when I look up at the moon and I see where the sun should be based on the sun on the moon, and that's where it's pointing, the sun should still be in the sky after it's already set. I've noticed a few little things like that as well. Some things that seem to be inconsistent in regards to what I remember how it being. Well, here's a good one for you. There's a big old pile of dirt over here in the west side of this valley where the copper mine's at. The overburden, you just piled it up into a big wall about a mile high, maybe two miles wide at the base and five miles long, maybe a little longer. Uh-huh. Uh, last week I was looking over there and I was like, wow, where'd that big old wall of dirt go? It's not there anymore. You know, I would have noticed something like that as it slowly went down, as they were moving it out. There's just all of a sudden one day, I looked over and I go, hey, where'd that big wall of dirt go? Now I can see inside the copper mine. That's weird. Or like I was telling Todd earlier this morning, I woke up and my uh, Google Chrome and my internet or my uh, Windows media player icons on my computer were, in two, were switched. You know, like they stay in the same, I keep them in the same place. And I'll wake up and turn my computer on and my some of my icons are moved. Well, they, Al, they actually have magic books that will teach you how to shift yourself into a different reality where just one thing or many things might be different. All right, well, I've been experiencing that my, most of my adult life. You're like sub- that TV show Slides where they go into a different earth and things are different. Uh, on the TV show, they go to a different earth and everything's different. Major differences. But I go to different nurse where differences are just slight, mostly unnoticeable by most people. You're supposed to take a candle and stick it in front of your face and 
you and the candle sit in front of a mirror and you concentrate on the candle. And then at some point you're going to switch places with the you and the mirror. You're going to feel it shift. And then inside of that mirror universe, you're going to notice different things around you that are different from the old universe. Why is my computer for that? Like one time I was watching my computer, I was doing something and they told me not to do it. And I did it anyways. And all of a sudden all these, uh, new martial law videos start popping up on my, on my screen. People videotaping police put rounding people up and shit like that. And I go, hmm. Okay. I don't want to go to that earth. That's for damn sure. And I've seen earth where I'm a homosexual and shit like that through my computer. Oh, damn. Go, well, make sure I stay away from that one. Cause that ain't me. <laughs> yeah. Did you, uh, save those videos? <laughs> I don't know how to save videos off of Facebook. Well, hey, hey uh, Al, have you heard of these uh, binary kids? Uh-uh. Well, they're, now the whole thing is, like, instead of being transgendered, I guess that's kind of passe at this point, the whole thing now is uh, being non-binary. So you you grow up with no sexual orientation or no sex. You're just kind of an it. And you don't have – nobody can call you a girl. No one can call you a boy, regardless if you were born with a penis or a vagina. They just have to call you a non-binary. That just sounds like mental programming to me. Yeah, isn't that's it weird? What the new world going for. They're trying to bring the population down. They can't just go out and murder freaking billions of people all at once, right? Yeah. Well, the best way to do it is just uh, – I guess so people stop breeding. Yeah, I think that there's something there. And uh, abortion, too. I'm pretty sure they use abortion to get rid of minorities. That's a good possibility. If you look at the statistics, the women getting abortions are usually, uh, you know, uh, three times as many black or Hispanic. Well, that's what Planned Parenthood was engineered for in the first place. Yeah, well, yeah. People, cause, well, they tend to overbreed, though. Most white people I know got one or two, three kids. Most black people I know got fucking five to ten kids. Same with Hispanics. Yeah, and the the white old men that are eugenicists, they come up with these little schemes to get rid of them. Well, they are overbreeding. There's no excuse in today's modern world to have that many kids. You only need two or three. You don't need five or ten, you know? Yeah, sure, I, I agree, but I don't think anybody has a right to play God. They're not playing God, they're just trying to manage the earth. Yeah, but, but they're, as far as I'm they're using deception. Permanent sustainability on the earth is one billion people. That's the, you can have a, a you maintain a population of one billion people, the earth could sustain itself for fucking indefinitely. But when you start over getting too many people, like there's seven and a half billion, almost eight billion people on the planet, it's un- getting unmanageable. Somebody yeah. got to do something, right? Uh, well, yes and no. I mean, there has to be a way to do it without turning it into a situation where these deceptions need to happen. There, there's got to be a right way to do it. I can't accept that we have to lie and deceive and murder in order to make things good, because we're giving up ourselves to do that, so there's no point in doing it, because if we're going to give up our humanity so that we can 
continue humanity, there's no point to continue humanity. The best thing to do would just actually be to kill everybody. Have you ever seen the movie The Happening? Oh, the movie where nothing happened? No, everybody just starts killing themselves. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty hilarious. People jumping off buildings, people jumping in front of cars, people just, you know, just doing whatever, somebody commits suicide and kind of like nature just weeding out the herd. Nature thinning the herd out. Yeah. That's another thing that could happen. Yeah, I I think that there's, there probably is some uh, natural way that that can happen, but part of it is is man's greed because because we were able to industrialize everything that's the reason why the populations exploded and people live so long it's because it's because of the industrial revolution and the greed maybe if we got rid of the greed and got rid of some of these polluting technologies maybe the population would kind of shrink naturally well, that's what we're doing germany's getting rid of all the nuclear power plants and going all renewable energy I think uh, by 2020, Germany's supposed to be uh, energy neutral. All re- all renewable energy, no more nuclear power plants, no coal-fired power plants at all. France is heading that direction. A lot of Scandinavian countries are doing that. We need to do that too. Yeah, so we're heading that direction. That that'd be great. But the thing is that we've already done so much damage. Like our oceans have been overfished and they're empty. I, I wonder if it's possible to even fix things. I'm more worried about Fukushima than that. Fukushima has irradiated the entire Pacific Ocean. I've seen stories of sailors go across the Pacific Ocean all the time. They just say it's completely dead now. Yeah, you can't you do that shit to the planet. Dolphins, 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 see nothing out there. See these Illuminati eugenicist people? They want to they want to kill us, but at the same time, with the corporations they own, they are killing the Earth itself. All right, but Fukushima's the fly in the ointment, the monkey wrench in the gears, as it were. They didn't expect that. I'm seeing an extinction event before I'm dead. All this rain that's been falling down on me is all radioactive. All the Pacific Ocean water is radioactive. All the snow that's been falling over the western United States is all radioactive. It's not enough to actually kill us and make us start bleeding shit like a nuclear bomb would, but... Yeah, we're all slowly getting killed off by radiation right now. That's why the Japanese or the Chinese never attacked us. We were supposed to have a nuclear war with China in 2015. After Fukushima happened there, yeah, yeah, we don't want it now. You can keep it. It's going to kill you off anyways. It's like it's going to kill him off eventually, too. Hmm. Well, interesting stuff, Al. Uh, unfortunately, the radiation I do have to... The radiation's made its way into the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean now, too. Very true. Unfortunately, Al, I do have to get off this call, but I will talk to you more about Fukushima and the environment another time. All right, yeah, I play my guitar for you, but everybody's asleep here, and I get I get in trouble. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> save that for next time as well. I'll I'll talk to you later, Al. You have a, a good night, my friend. All right, peace out, bro. And that was Al. You can just go on and on with him. I have to kind of hit the brakes with him sometimes because. If I don't, we're just going to, you know, two hours will pass. So what happened? Oh, I was talking to Al. Started asking him questions. It got weird. And I wanted, I wanted to keep him on the line. Can't always do that over and over. <laughs> Although Al does have his uh, fan base out there. I get 
feedback all the time telling me that they want to hear more of Al. They want to, they want me to interview Al. They want to know more about me. So interesting. But we do have a few other things we've got to touch on in the news. Something very relevant, important that has happened. Apparently, China has landed a rover on the dark side of the moon. A lot of people are calling it fake. They're pointing out the fact that there's a stage prop line in a photo of the, I guess it's called the Jade Rabbit Rover. <laughs> there's an actual like line of chalk drawn there. I've seen all the China space videos, and I have to say, they kind of look like what what you would expect from a Chinese Saturday morning kids show. That's how the special effects look. Like, they showed the moon one time, and it seriously looked like the fake moon made out of cheese that you would see that you would see on a kid's show, or that you would see some kid making in his basement out of clay, or it did not look like the same moon that I see when I look up at the moon. But you have to figure, since Chinese movies, the special effects typically aren't as good, their space program would have equally bad special effects. And I know Japan has actually sent a probe to the moon as well that took pictures. And I, I, at first I was like, oh, well, that proves it, right? That proves space is real. Japan went there. There there you go, there's the smoking gun. I guess I was wrong. And then I went on to YouTube to watch the actual videos that they took to confirm it and to check it out because it sounded interesting. Fake. Looked totally fake. Looked like CGI. Just bright colored, cartoonish. Did not look even halfway real. Just looked totally fake. I don't know how they're getting all these different governments and countries to go in on the lie, to go in on the lie, but I suppose if there really is this octopus Illuminati network that that would be very easy to do. They would just have to compartmentalize everything and keep everything secret. Interesting thing about the satellites, because the launch of these satellites, it always seems to be kind of concealed in a lot of secrecy. And you could look at something like Sirius Satellite Radio, you know, Howard Stern, Sirius, and say, oh, that's evidence that the earth is indeed round space is real but then you read about it and you find out that the serious satellite signal is actually boosted by land antennas and transponders but you're paying for satellites and you're basically get, getting the same thing as terrestrial radio right so why are you paying 15 17 bucks a month to uh, listen to serious I guess if you're really a big Howard Stern fan, you're going to do that. I I used to listen to Howard Stern every day. Like how, the Howard Stern show was the focal point point of my life at some point. You know, huge inspiration on me personally. But I just have not listened lately at all. I just haven't gotten to it. I don't have Sirius, so I don't really have a way to listen. It's kind of sad because I wonder what's going on on that show and how things have changed. And but. My time is so limited. I have to do my own show, and I have to work full time. I, I, what little time I have, I like to devote to my music because it's very sustaining in life. And 
there's so many things I want to do. I want to get back in the gym, you know, take some MMA classes and stuff like that. But it's like the time, it's just, oh, if only I was 10 years younger forever <laughs> and I had a, a clone that could do stuff while I'm working, that'd be the best life right there. Just give me an infinity to do all the different things I want. Like I'll spend a hundred years learning some jujitsu and learning every single little thing about it. And then I'll spend the next hundred years learning the violin. Right. <laughs> Wasn't there a book like that? Like you'd go to Shambhala and you would uh, spend all this time learning how to play the violin. Whatever. Okay. Anyways. So China fails again at getting to the moon. Big fell by China. They tend to fell a lot over there. <laughs> I know like a third of the country still doesn't even have electricity. They are socialist communist. Just a lot of negative things going on in China. But then again, maybe it looks completely opposite if you're actually a Chinese person living there. Maybe all the messed up crap is happening over here. That really evens it out, doesn't it? Ha! Huh. Oh, oh, who's that? Who's that? Hello? Hello. Hey there, buddy. Hey, Daniel. How are you doing? I am so good. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you loud and clear. Excellent. Um, you were just going on about China. Yes. Trump's talked about China a lot. China. China. Yes, he has. He's, one of my yes. W- one of my most favorite Trump quotes is where he's like, "Ping pong, ching chong, chang, chong, ching China." Hey. <laughs> what he said that? What? Oh yeah, he has a classic one. Look it up on YouTube where he goes, "Ping pong, ching chong, China." That sounds a little borderline racial. It sounds a little borderline racial, but it's more like uh, calling it for what it is. It's a ching chong ping pong? China's communists. Very much so. Through and through. And um, they are antagonistically against us. Yes. From the beginning. I mean, that's their policy. United States badge, but we love them when we work with them. Ding, 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 Fantastic show. I didn't want to call in because he was so fascinating. Well, back on the China thing, uh, one one famous Chinese person was Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's Chinese? He's half Chinese. Yeah, yeah. And um, he did that movie, Enter the Dragon. But you know, uh, Bruce Lee, he, he actually came up with the idea for that show Kung Fu. They didn't want him to be in the show because they said he looked too Chinese. That sounds about right. 
1970s America sounds about. Well, well, he was the lead star, you know, like the lead foreign star in 1970 or 72. One, Enter the Dragon was the number one movie of the year, dude. Yeah, that was a fantastic movie. It's still like the best fantastic of all time. movie. Oh my god. But, so incredible. But you know what's funny is you don't really see any Asian people in our movies or on our TV shows or anything like that. Um, do you see any Asians on our TVs? No. Today? No. No, you don't really, do you? No, what's up with that? Out of one. Out of one. It's because yep, Hollywood... Sure, Todd, it's because Hollywood is the Illuminati, and the Illuminati are racist. Well, I wouldn't argue against that. I wouldn't argue against that. I'm sorry, Todd. Go ahead. What what were you going to say about the guest earlier? I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no. Your guest is so, you know, like, wow, made so many incredible points and stuff. Um, I really like his perspective. North Carolina. You know, North Carolina. That's an interesting place to live. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know where a lot of places... Um, North Carolina has a lot of military bases. They're on the coastline of the East Coast, Daniel. Yeah, anywhere where you're connected to water, you're definitely going to at least have the Navy there. Oh, yeah. Long history. Very incredible history, North Carolina. Um, Wow, his ideas on, like, um, pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, a little different. The space stuff I love the best. I mean, let's get on to it. We're told space is just a vacuum that's going to crunch you. You know, pressure. Like you go underwater, it's going to crunch you. And they're going to send this tin can up to the moon. Under pressure. (laughs) Go ahead, Tom. Coming down on me. Under pressure. (laughs) Watching over me. (laughs) You know, the reason that song was good is because David Bowie is in it. Yeah. Not that fucking... Not that Queen was involved, but David Bowie was uh, 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 lending his old voice to the new Queen before it died. Hey, check this out. Some of the best. Check <laughs> this out. Critical. That jogs my memory. There was an album, a record, right? You were big into records back in the day, right? Yeah, all day. Well, Alice Cooper, he released a record... And the record was encased in a pair of women's underwear. I think I remember that. Which album was it? Um, I don't know. I guess I'd have to Google that. Let's oh, see. Oh, look at that fucker! So it's got a women's underwear inside the case because you can't put it on the outside. You have to put it on the inside. The actual record was wrapped up in it. School out yes, LP. Inside the record out, and there's a pair of women's pants. Yeah. I'm sure no women wore them. That sounds like a pretty good promotional gimmick. 
Yeah, I just can't believe kind anything of. like that was going on. I mean, I never knew about that. Well, the 70s is kind of like, how do you reach people from nowhere? You know, any gimmicks, a gimmick because there wasn't the computer. Now you just reach into people's minds and there's your new gimmick. You uh, do you think if a gal was... Day, they had to send panties. You might have to send panties in an album cover. Yeah, do you there think was if stupid, a, ridiculous shit like that going on. Yeah, do you no think doubt, if we a, had the pet rock where you could buy a rock in a box for ten bucks? Yeah, do you people think people went in for it? Do you think if a gal was a little bit more on the poor side and she was a fan of Alice Cooper, she might just start wearing those panties that could come with the record? <laughs> I don't think the record industry would pay to get panties from all these skanky girls listening to Alice Cooper. Now, that doesn't sound like it really that part happened. <laughs> no, I can see him wrapping panties around in records, but not getting women to wear the panties for you. Like, this, 1978 wasn't Japan 2018. <laughs> no, no, I meant like if she didn't have money for underwear, she might actually just wear them. Who? <laughs> Never mind, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You've been drinking, haven't you? I had a couple beers when I heard your shows going on that I am like, I better get a couple beers. I always, I'm drinking I, a really good one tonight, Daniel. Uh, La Guanitas. Ooh. Have you ever, have you ever heard of that brand? Uh, I've heard of it. The name I know I've heard, but I have not had had that particular brew. Oh God, they 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 do you know like six different brews, but the best one's brown sugar because it's a beer that's ten percent, one twelve ounce bottle of beer, ten percent. That's high, isn't it? According to Utah, where we have three point two beer, that's extremely high. Yeah, that's one of those beers that you drink a couple of them and you get smashed like you just drink six beers. Yeah, so you're not slamming those ones. I used to drink that ice beer when I was younger and I was drinking every day after work. I'd I'd do a construction. Canadian stuff, yeah. Yeah, I'd do construction all day and I'd be so burnt out and tired, I'd I'd pound a couple of Mickeys. Those uh, are, Mickeys are like um, about six or sevens. And uh, you drink a few of those, then you, you got enough. Utah has a cheap beer where if you go to the you know the grocery gas station, they won't sell it at the stores here. <clears throat> you can get the cheap beer that's uh, three point two, so ten bucks you could buy enough to get you buzzed. Well, hey but Todd, to, hey Todd. Uh, Todd, since I got you here on the line, do you want to cover this yeah. next uh, topic I want to talk about? Do you want to kind of oh, totally. help me out with it? Yeah, I didn't mean to throw anything. I just thought, wow, what a great show. What a wild, great show. Well, no, I, I, I'm glad I have you here because I, I wanted to bring this up. I actually sent you some information about this. I think it was a couple of days ago. but John Wayne. But, yeah, I found out about this guy, John Wayne Todd. Same, na- same last Todd. name as your first name. Yeah, you would bring up my first name. That's pretty weird. Yeah, exactly. And this guy, he was out there talking um, about Illuminati and 19- Satanists. And 68. Not, yeah, 1968. He was born in 1949. 
he died in 2007, yeah. but he was very active in in the uh, Illuminati conspiracy type of stuff long before many others were even doing anything like that. Have you ever heard of dispensationalism? No. That's a belief that Christians have held since they come up with the idea that the world's going to end, which was a long time ago, back in the 18... Uh, it could go back to... Uh, I'll go back all the way to 500 A.D. Because the Jews suffered the destruction of their religion. The Jews! They believed in the apocalypse. The Jews! Dispensationalism is the idea that the fucking world's going to come apart. It's going to end. And I'm not arguing against that it's going to end, Daniel. I wouldn't do that. I know you you people can't wait for it to end. I, but I I'm not can't wait. The I've apocalypse. got my alarm clock. I've read, the, I've read Revelation so many times because that's the best part of the Bible almost. <laughs> that is the best part. I love Revelation. Where it's like... It's horrible, and then it's good. At the end, it all ends good. Yay. Yeah, exactly. All this trippy shit happens. There's a dragon and Once a beast. the world ends, it's awesome. <laughs> Fake alien saviors, the Antichrist. Jesus comes down, sucks you out. Jesus comes Thank down, Jesus. whoops some Lucifer, no, no. a.k.a. the devil yeah. ass. Listen. When, when Jesus returns, he's going to return, and he's going to fight. I know, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah, he's going to... He's going to come out with a sword out of his mouth. Yeah, he's going to... He goes through revelations. At the end, he comes in like a lamb, and then he goes out like a lion with a sword coming out of his mouth, cutting yes, down all the... Yes, you know your Bible, Todd. You know your Bible. Uh, uh, Jesus, in the end, comes out with a sword out of his mouth. What does that mean? He's cutting you down. He's like... What else could that mean, a sword out of his mouth? It means his words are going to be so powerful that they just tear down the entire matrix. People fall. Uh-huh. The whole thing just... Exactly. That's what they say. That's what they say. But they say before that happens, the world has to end where two-thirds of it has to burn. The Antichrist has to come back. Everybody has to get on their knees. Millions of people are going to be guillotined with a giant structure that's going to be sitting over them. um, (laughs) It's going to be like decorated in all this heavy metal shit. And then heavy bands are going to be playing. Yeah, you're coming to the guillotine. (laughs) Come on, man. Megadeth will be played. Come on. (laughs) And Guar. Can't we have... Can't we have Gore? <laughs> Gore's up there going, Come to me, my children. <laughs> now that Come is the on. end of days. I love it. <laughs> that is the end of days. <laughs> can't we have can't we have a world more like when the nineteen fifties science fiction writers wrote where we're gonna leave the planet, we're gonna find other planets, we're gonna colonize out there. The world isn't gonna burn into Two thirds because one religion says that 
It's going to happen any minute. So we got to give a bunch of money to make well, sure it doesn't happen. Well, no, I'm not, not buying a word of it, dude. Not just one religion. I, I would say just about every religion has some sort of end of days or some sort of great climatic period. or There's always something there. Something's going to happen. Well, I'd rather follow gore than <laughs> what the Bible's telling you is going to happen. Because war is here and they're taking over the world with music. It's just a metaphor. Go ahead and live a, your life from a book that was written 2,000 years ago. And some people that are trying to manipulate your mind are going to twist old text to tell you the world's going to end and you've got to believe them. Follow them down the path. When it ends, Jesus will be here and you'll all be fantastic. Come on, that sounds like Charlie Manson. Yeah, yeah, that's true, Todd, but the truth is... Can't we live wait, on? Wait, wait. Can't we live on, Daniel? Can't we travel to another planet? See, Can't see that's the problem, technology? Todd. That's Can we the not problem. blow the planet up and have two-thirds of burn? That's the problem, because we can't do that. We cannot just leave. There's nowhere <laughs> to go. We are fucked. Jesus is all we have. It's like the, there's no hope unless somebody Jesus, comes and saves our asses. Me. It's true. We can't help turn me. this shit around. We can't bring the orcas back God. and train them to swim. It's Come not going to work that way. We can't where, bring the orcas back. Jesus? How are we going to bring where's the orcas Jesus? back? How are we going to bring the orcas back? You know who Jesus is? He was a revolutionary that was fighting against Rome. Exactly. He wasn't about control. He was a rebel. It's not control. Jesus is the ultimate they put rebel. Him in, they put him in that position. They're like, dude, you got to get up there. you got to fight these guys. <laughs> They're bigger than he is. And he's like, I don't want it. <laughs> kind of snuck him out in the back door, probably let somebody get else hanging on the cross. Now, Todd, it's, um, <laughs> it's not about Jesus. Jesus was just a name that literally means Zeus. Uh, his name wasn't even Jesus; it was Yeshua. And it's not about Jesus; about it's about Messiah. It's about somebody coming along that's <clears throat> going to change the game and actually give us a chance of getting out of this mess. No, there's no somebody at the end of uh, long ago at some point of time that's going to give you a way out. No, no, there's only life and people and historical figures that they twisted to try to wrap you around in his, you know, I mean, buy what you want. But they're using this all as a psyop to guide us into the end of the world. Todd, keep Todd, you're just, Todd, you're just saying that because you hate Jews. No, I, I love Jews. I, I wouldn't say I love Jews. Stop, but I know see? You don't love them, love. do you? <laughs> I know some Jewish people that I love. But don't you know that the them. main the main part of Judaism and Jewish people and their beliefs is the Messiah who they have not they do not believe has come yet. But people that are Jewish that are really true Jews and true Hebrews, they are all about Messiah and they are all about the kingdom of heaven that is coming. The Jewish people that I know aren't all wrapped up in that bulls crap. I won't say shit, um, ideology that was developed 2,000 years ago. They're just people that follow Judaism 
and they're honorable, great people. They're not all involved in that. That's all a psyop, Daniel. Well, Anybody then, that's then, telling you then this group against that group. Then you would have to agree that I am a more devout Jew than they are. Are you like a full Jew person? Are you a Jew? Yeah, I'm a Jew. I'm a Christian Jew. I'm a Christian Jew. You're a Christian Jew? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. How do you claim your lineage? I am somebody that converted to both Christianity and Judaism at once. And Judaism. So you love the Old Testament, New Testament. You're a full believer in which Bible? In all of them. All the Bibles. Including the well, Lost Book Bible of Eden. Well, there's one Bible that Daniel says is alien. Including the Lost Book of Eden, the Book of Enoch, the Book of Giants, the Lost Gospel of Common. Exactly. Exactly. And the Satanic Bible. Just kidding. So you believe in God, and you can't wait for the end of days, because that's the name of your show. The end of And you of couldn't days. have picked a better name of your show. <laughs> You are prophetic. And your name's Daniel. That's what pisses me off. He's like, his name's Daniel. You know, the first fucker, I don't even mean to say fucker, in the Bible, was Daniel that mentioned the end of days. Because I'm, I'm reading prophet. the writing on the wall, Todd. I am reading the writing on the wall. That doesn't mean you're the reincarnation of the ancient Daniel that mentioned the end of days, but it's pretty weird. Maybe it does mean that. Maybe I am that person. How do you know? Well, I'm not saying you're not because you got Michael over on the other show and you got Daniel on this show and oh, your show's the best show in the world. Well, this this is something though because Daniel from the book and of Daniel... And you always keep referencing he, the archangels. He said... And like Al said, the angels and the demons the same thing. Well, so go on. Daniel is supposed to come back in the t- in the time of revelations. He's supposed to reincarnate or come down from the sky in a beam of light or something, but he's supposed to be here. And maybe I'm him. My wife said you should stop yelling. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't realize I was. Yell if I am. Am I yelling? No, I'm not. My point is, Daniel, I don't believe in dispensationalism. And I don't want the world to end in a fiery fireball, according to the people that believe it's going to end that way in Revelations. Red Revelations. Well, Red Nostradamus. Do you know what God said, Todd? Oh, what did God say? He said, I am that I am. He did say that. And then, uh, you know what Popeye said? I am what I am. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> um well, wait, hold on. What were you saying? And I'm only to... a man cuz I'm Popeye this sailor man. You were about to say something interesting and I I can't remember what it was. Of course, but... you threw me with your I was trying to go a little deeper. I apologize. Your guest got me off on some side tracks cuz you started with the goddamn moon being fake, Chinese thing. And I wanted to talk about how Notice how the Chinese send the satellite up there, and then somebody got that line on YouTube where the thing's supposed to start moving. You know, the line in the sand, the chalk line, like you do on a movie set? Yeah. 
And I'm looking at all the pictures of the moon that China's sending back. It looks dirt colored. <laughs> How come everything that we got from the United States was white, gray, like, it's so special. They call it regolith. It's white moon gray dust. But on the back side of the moon, it looks like your average Chinese fucking blown up dirt dump. <laughs> Is it just me or <laughs> You know, Your average Chinese dirt dump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, they give you four <laughs> pictures. They can't give you no good pictures. Here's this thing, it's taken off. We're all supposed to believe it. Daniel, what am I to do with this? Um, the pressures of space. Your guest brought up the thing where take a rubber glove. Put it on your hand, like one of those ones you could buy from the store. Fill a bucket of water. Put your hand down in the bucket of water. The rubber glove, you know, it pressures to your hand. The space suits look like you're wearing a fucking puffy space suit while on, on the moon. It doesn't make no sense there. You well, know what I'm saying? Well, Pressure. What it is, Todd. They're telling us it's so it's so it's so intense. Yeah. This is all going to come full circle. Oh. It's all going to come full circle. What you're seeing is the Prince of Lies, the Prince of the Air, the God of Manipulation, <laughs> Lucifer, <laughs> Morningstar, the Light. Coming back. He is creating this illusion for all of us, and he's manipulating our minds and deceiving us into believing in this space and these aliens and this and that. It's all bullshit. It's all just this demonic, archonic alien bullshit. Well, Darmo- see, see, see how you end with demonic, archaic bullshit. Archonic. No, go back. Or, or, or archonic. Go back to the, where, you, where you start there. It's all bullshit. Stop before you go. Demonic, archaic. Demonic, archaic. Yes, stop before that. It's all bullshit. Stop before you label it demonic and archaic. I got to bring this up. I got to bring this up. Remember how he was talking about the Masons? Go ahead. The Masons and the moon? Long time ago, we talked about how the Masons and the moon... They put a lodge on the moon, Daniel, the first Masonic lodge on the moon. Remember Mad Martian was telling us about they did the Masonic lodge on the moon? Yeah. You can go on YouTube and look it up how they set up the first Masonic lodge. I'm going to bring that to Mad Martian. Mad Martian. The Masons. Mad Martian. The Masons are Luciferians at the highest levels. They're Luciferians. Go back. Mad Martians was hounding Hoagland. Remember how Mad Martians like, Richard Hoagland, I'm going to get you. Why are you telling me this? I'm going to chop you up and kill you. (laughs) I'm going to fuck you up. Why would you tell me this? I'm going to tie you down and rape you and kill you. I'm going to get you. He's like a wrestler. It's like, oh my God, poor Richard Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> poor Richard Hogan's running from Call Mad Martian. <laughs> 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 but Mad, Mad Martian a long time ago said, 
they made Faces in Mars, the video, in Salt Lake City at the Masonic Lodge. Do you remember Mad Martian saying that? Yeah, of course. He wouldn't shut up about and it. And then I said... And then I said, fuck, I'm going to go down to the Masonic Lodge in my in Salt Lake and see if this is really going on, because I live in Salt Lake. And yet there's that big, giant Masonic Lodge there, damn it. Very impressive. Lions sit at the front of the giant steps as you come up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't I, know they're there. Well, see, Mad Martian, he was on to something, like all that stuff about NASA and the Masons and, and the mental kept, manipulation. And why are you making the movie? True. You made the movie. Do you remember, Daniel? He said, you made the movie in Salt Lake in that Masonic Lodge. The face is on Mars. Yeah, that's true. you remember him saying that, that? Yeah, that stuff's all true and everything. But the thing is, where it stops is that the whole thing is fake. The going to the moon or or taking the pictures of Mars and the face and all that, that's all fake too. Now, See? why are you pushing the face? Why are you pushing the aliens? Why are you pushing the giant structures? Why do you keep pushing this for 30 years and nothing ever comes out? No images. Fake, Even Bill fake Cooper just showed aliens. you images. Yeah, Bill Cooper and... That it was fake. Either they're faking it. Yeah. Either they're faking it for a reason, or they're real. Which one is it? They're faking it for a reason. All those pictures of Mars are all fake. And Bill Cooper, you said this yourself later in his life, he admitted that they were manipulating him with all this alien bullshit, and they're getting him to go no, spread he, it around. He said, "I don't know whether they're putting me out here with all this information, or if it's real." That's what he said. Can you grasp that? Yeah, he, that's the exact truth. He saw what was going on, and he saw other people be manipulated. He put two and two together, and he said, hey, they were giving me this stuff to put out there. It's all part of the I plan. Should I be out here on the lecture circuit? I'm out here telling you everything you're telling me. Let me tell you what just happened last week, Daniel. They just put out a movie on Bob Lazar. Remember Bob Lazar? Yeah big person that said the very first person I worked at Area 51 in 1989 I saw craft hovering they they wanted us to reverse engineer it there's a movie out now go see it is that real or is that a psyop Daniel oh Bob Lazar now it comes That's, back again he's definitely one of those disinfo people of course he's well known for being dude Bill Cooper that. Bill Cooper was calling him out saying is this real or is this fake because he's telling you real places and spaces and he has the credentials he's seeing the UFO he's taking people to Area 51 no one even knew it existed is that real or not Bill Cooper was calling him out way back when now there's a movie out this week, Daniel, exposing Bob Lazar, you know, the real guy that told you aliens. And you, he doesn't say aliens are real, but he puts out the evidence that he was reverse engineering spacecraft. The whole Art Bell, the whole UFO thing. Is it real or is it a fiction? Fiction. It's is all it, disinformation. Is it a psyop? 
I'll, I'll explain it all. It's all disinformation because they're setting up the fake alien invasion. It's all disinformation. It's all part of the alien grand deception. That's why they're pushing the civilization that supposedly existed on Mars. Gary the Mad Martian, he's pushing disinformation, just doesn't realize it. They're giving him little trails to follow, little clues, and he's just getting pulled into their matrix of lies and manipulation. I even experienced it myself. I was pulled into all this alien crap you know, I was reading on the Internet. It, it was all fake the whole time. It was all put out there by them you know, on purpose. You know, you, 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 you mentioned that you were going to have the Wolfman on again. Oh, yeah, that's still going to happen. That's still going to happen. Um, I got like 50 people trying to come on the show right now. It's just getting crazy. Oh, I should let you go? No, no, no. I have a different guest trying to come on. There's everybody's Because I got to say this. I got to say this. I got to say this. The Wolfman said, the Wolfman said, um, what, what did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Flat Earth has... something about... You know that they lied to us. They lied to us. Flat Earth heads. I love Flat Earth heads. You, you know that they lied to my us. My favorite song of all time. I do that all day long for the next three years. Number <laughs> one song in the world. We all sing it together. I love the Wolfman. Flat Earth heads. Everybody lies to you. I love that song. Man, that's better than Queen. Fuck Queen. But <laughs> it's not, that's not the point. I was just make a really good point. And if I keep it too long, Daniel, cut me off. But I was making a really good point there for a second ago, a minute ago, about how mm, uh, the flat earth, the hiding of the thing, the thing. <sighs> what are they hiding? We don't know what we don't know. Don, the last new caller on your last show said, we don't know what I, we don't know. It sounds like Don Rumsfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 so it's so we true. It's so true. We don't know, so if it's flattered, <laughs> But hey, Todd, I am, I, am, I am starting to get a little tired, buddy, so I better let you go so I can wrap I hear this you, up. Man. All right, thanks for the call. I should let you go. Right on. But before I let you go, I better let, leave you something powerful. Go ahead. Um, future's not set in stone, and I'm seeing it change before my eyes. Um, it is going positive because the world doesn't want to die. Um, Whatever corrupt little infestations infecting our planet, it's not winning because the collective consciousness of mankind is overpowering it. Um, this is my predictions for the future. It doesn't mean we're all going to wake up tomorrow and go, yay! But it does mean that the people that are destroying this place are not going to win. And um, that's because they're greedy. So they're the stupidest people on the planet. I love what you're putting on. I love this show tonight. You got Al on there. And uh, thanks, Daniel, for putting out such an incredible, weird broadcast. You're, <laughs> you're, really holding up, you're really holding up the end of days as the world starts to collapse. I love it. Well, thank you very much, Todd. And 
I will mm. talk to you later, my friend. Good night. Peace, peace, my man. And that was Todd the Bod. Would have kept him on longer, but as I said, I do feel my consciousness starting to fade. It's uh, We're going on our fourth hour, so uh, before we get to that point, before we cross that line into the four-hour territory, I believe I better do our mind-blowing moment of the day. So let me grab an instrument. <laughs> 